This week, we're taking the train back into the crazy world of possession and exorcism. The multiple exorcisms of Annalise Michelle, to be exact. Turn off the lights and turn it up. Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the Midnight Train. Hello, passengers. That's right, we're back, baby, and welcome to the Midnight Train, where we bring the dark to light. Of course, you guys know we make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. If you're new here, hey, we are a comedy podcast, but we talk about a lot of really dark things, so if you're not into that and you're like, I don't think that goes together, we get it, no hard feelings, but if you are, thanks for being here and uh, for being just as twisted and Messed up as we are. Right. So, I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me today, in the co-host chair, it's Logan! Hey! Hi! Sup? Sup, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm alright. Yeah? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah? Good day at work? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's never a good day at work. Not a, not a good day. Uh, fr- fresh back from... Uh, from Ireland. Ireland. I'm not going to get into it right now. In fact, I think we're going to do a bonus episode on it, and we're going to let everyone know what happened over there. I might even bring uh, the wife in for me. I might nice. even I might even bring Katie and Bill in yeah. just to talk about what we did for that. And we're also going to be doing a uh, bonus episode for Patreon. Uh, it's going to be another F That Guy episode. Nice, nice. And this guy is a pretty popular oh. piece of crap. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a... He's Those are two a, words I would... Or, you know, three words I would never listen to yeah yeah he's he's it's messed up it's very very messed up we'll we'll, we'll get into that so if you want to hear that sign up for patreon become a pooper like the greatest people in the world are and uh listen to us as we discuss all kinds of crazy stuff that we can uh well not that we can't do here but it's just a little a little more free yeah a little more free free bird right so listen we're gonna save the rest of the business stuff until the end because you know we don't want to sit here and blabber and waste your time yeah you know true True. You guys have got stuff to do. So do we. You know, I mean, even though I know you enjoy listening to my sultry voice, oh. and uh, as you're in your car right now, and you're going, yeah, I actually like this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, everybody with subs in their car right yeah. now, just all they heard was the vibrations. <laughs> and then they turned off when I did the ASMR or whatever it is. They're like, Ugh. <laughs> I can't stand it. So let's just get into this, all right? Let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get really creepy on this one. But first, here's a toast to all of you beautiful motherfuckers. I love how it gets different every time. Yeah, that's the, that's the chainsaw remix. <laughs> what the? 
What? 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 I need to get that. Yeah, in you there. need to like quickly. Get yeah. like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So listen, Logan, and for all you listeners out there, I want you to think to yourself: This is going to be a really creepy. We're getting really creepy on this. One. Really creepy. Yeah. Like, I think I brought my blankie. Yeah. Well, you might be sleeping here tonight. Is <sighs> what I'm saying because you might be not wanting to go home after this. <laughs> Probably not. So, do you believe in the devil? And for listeners out there, think to yourself: Do you believe in the devil? Devil. <laughs> the, the devil. devil. <laughs> do you believe in the devil? <laughs> Playing that foosball. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a reference. Drink up. Anyway, so do you believe in the devil? Um, kind of, I guess. I believe more in the uh, the 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 innate evil that is within all of us, more there's, so than the devil himself. There's eight evils in us. There, uh, there are. Yes. Oh, I only have. Do six. you know them? I I know. Six can you of them. can you name them? Um, Harry, Bill, Jeff. <laughs> oh no, never mind. <laughs> Jeff Hefe. <laughs> uh, do you believe in demons? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What about, and the rest of you folks out there, I want you to think to yourself, do you believe in demons? And if you do, I want to know. We want you guys to let us know. Do you think the devil or demons can possess a body, a person? I mean, as far as John Constantine goes, I believe so, yeah. God, I love the movie so much. He's always trying to do a second one. I know, I heard. Dude. Yeah, there's still talks about him getting into uh, the MCU, too. I know. And Star Wars. Keanu. What? Yeah. Star Wars. So there's a, uh, uh, not to get too deep into it, but there's a, uh, in between like the Clone Wars and like the Knights of the Old Republic kind of thing, Mm -hmm. there's a Sith Lord that was once good and turned Sith and kind of, you know, his name was, I believe, Revan or Ravon or something like that. Oh. Looks just like him in the comics. Really? Yep. That'd be awesome. I'd love oh, to see yeah. him doing that. Love me some Keanu. Oh, same here. He just seems like the coolest guy ever. I know. The, like, I want to hang out with him, Johnny Depp, and Ryan Reynolds all and, in a room together. And then bring RDJ into the mix and everything just goes crazy. Yeah. yeah. Old RDJ. Yeah. 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 Like, before Marvel. Yeah. Like, back Marvel. when he was a crazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, does that kind of stuff keep you up at night? I mean, maybe creep you out a little bit from time to time? Yeah. 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 Well, for you listeners out there, if it does... You're going to love today's episode. Nice. If you've ever seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which, knowing you, you probably haven't. I've seen, actually, a good portion of that. Okay, well, this story, or the the story of Emily Rose, Mm -hmm. or the movie, is actually based off of this. Oh, no kidding. Okay, and uh, this is a real-life thing that took place, and uh, the movie was, again, based on the subject of uh, of today's episode. It's going to get kind of crazy today as we discuss The Exorcism of Annalise Michelle. 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 Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. I don't. It's. It, I want to call it Mitchell. Every time I see it, I'm like Annalise Mitchell. I known her. <laughs> That's old man Mitchell's daughter. She was a great look. No, I don't know. Mi- Mi- Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. I like that. It's very, yes. very. You know. So some of you may already be familiar with the story, as it's been discussed on other podcasts, not as well as we do, and continues to be a pretty famous story in the world of exorcisms, demons, and possessions. Okay. Annalise Michel was born on September 21st, 1952 in Leipzig, Bavaria, oh. West Germany. It's always the Europeans, man. Oh, they're great. I know. God, I love it. They're always possessed by demons. Well, well, no. I mean, Brazil, they have a lot of that. Remember, that's the place that has the uh, the 800 number you can still call. Oh, yeah, that is right. Yeah. For exorcisms, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You can go back and listen to our exorcism episode to find out more about that. Yeah. So she was born into a very religious Roman Catholic family. Okay. Uh, she attended mass twice weekly with her family and was described as a, quote, vibrant, pretty girl on her way to becoming a gorgeous woman. She had shining black hair, an open, honest face, and a stunning smile. Okay, so that's, you know, she she had it going on for herself, yeah, you know what I mean? She's pretty cool. Right. Four years before Annalise was born, her mother, Anna Michelle, gave birth to an illegitimate daughter. This was a source of shame for the Catholic family. Okay, they're Catholics, and of course, you don't do that. No, 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 no. 
After she married and gave birth to Annalise, she apparently harbored feelings of guilt about her first daughter. Okay. Unfortunately, Annalise's older sister died at the age of eight. Wow. But Annalise reportedly felt like she needed to repent for her mother's sin. Okay. She's, I mean, when I mean, when I'm saying devout, yeah. I mean like devout. Okay. This whole family is, but like you'll see as we go through this, she really is. She supposedly, uh, supposedly, <laughs> what? I don't even know what word that was. <laughs> the hell just happened? She supposedly spent much of her time doing uh, penance for her mother. You know what happened with her mother. Gotcha. Her sinful youth, like for being young, she That's felt sin. She, yeah, she had to repent for oh, that. Man. And evil priests, like bad priests. Oh. Like she, she just put all this stuff on herself. Man, she put the weight of the world on her shoulders. Li- seriously. Wow. Sounds like a really great childhood. Yeah. 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 Sounds great. Peachy. <laughs> sounds like a great start to the episode, too. Yeah. So all the crazy shit began in 1968, around the time of her 16th birthday, when Annalise had the first of several seizures. Oh, okay. No. Keep that in mind, because the seizures thing, that definitely pl- plays a very, very prominent part in this entire thing. Right. She lost consciousness during school and was found by her classmates to be in a trance-like state. Later that night, Annalise woke up claiming she felt something was pressing down on her. She couldn't move, couldn't breathe or speak, and lost control of her bladder. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it stinks, you know, and, 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 you know, seizures and things like that can make you feel that way, you know? Yeah. Although the experience frightened her greatly, okay, of course, as it would, when it didn't happen again, she just forgot about it. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I don't know what the hell that was, but, you know. It's a one-off. Moving on, you know. Then on August 24th of 1969, uh, she suffered another seizure. And when she was examined by neurologist Dr. Siegfried, Siegfried Luthi, her EEG showed, quote, a normal physiological alpha-type brain activity. So she seemed fine. Gotcha. Okay. So, and again, you know, they're, they're, the EEG is electro... A, a, a graph. Yeah. yeah. That, that's exactly what yeah, it is. Good job. So anyway, <laughs> I guess they're just saying they didn't see any... Um, they didn't see any kind of like anything that would be causing seizures in her head, okay? Gotcha. In fact, I, uh, Dr. Luthi later explained to investigators, quote, I judged from the description I was given that this was probably a case of cerebral seizures of the nocturnal type with the symptoms of a, a grand mal epilepsy. Oh, wow. Okay? So basically saying that she's having epileptic seizures, right? right. Although they looked at the brain and everything seemed fine. Makes right? sense, though, because if it's like in the in, in the nighttime with your like rapid eye movement and stuff like that, I've heard like cases where your rapid eye movement can actually trigger epileptic seizures and stuff. And, and seizures can actually, and, and um, especially the grand mal ones and whatnot, they can actually come from out of nowhere yeah and almost from any not almost anything but it, there's a lot of things that can cause it yeah lack of electrolytes stuff like that yeah yeah so tonic clonic seizures formerly known as grand mal seizures comprise two stages a tonic phase and a clonic phase according to john hopkins medicine episodes may begin with a simple or complex partial attack known as an aura during which persons may experience sensations such as unusual smells keep that in mind hmm. vertigo nausea or anxiety or my everyday life. <laughs> During the tonic phase, you know, people may lose consciousness and experience bodily and respiratory paralysis as the muscles involuntarily contract. Gotcha. Okay, involuntarily contract. Makes sense. I didn't say that word right either. I thought you did. You guys are back. glad I'm back, aren't you? Getting it all out now. So finally, during the clonic phase, the person's face, arms, and legs spasm and jerk uncontrollably and rapidly. When the body relaxes... The bladder may also relax and release. Gotcha. All right. We got all that? Yeah. I, I, of course you do. Of course. Of course they do. Of course. You know, they're all a bunch of intelligent bastards. They are pretty smart. I mean, listen to us. Mm-hmm. Got to be pretty smart. Shut your face. <laughs> um, Annalise's symptoms certainly fit the criteria of a tonic-clonic seizure. 
and there's good reason to believe on at least one occasion she also experienced aura. Remember, that was the first one we talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, one day while praying to the rosary, you know, because again, she prayed a lot and it was all about her religion. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, one day when she was praying to the rosary, she related, sm- she told someone she was smelling a sweetness, quote, wafting about her like the fragrance of violets. Hmm. Okay. And a euphoric feeling that lasted into the next day. Wow. She was found by other girls to be, again, in a trance-like state with her hands rigidly outstretched, quote, like you had a cramp or something, like when my cat stretches her claws. And her uh, pu- uh, pupils actually dilated. Quote, oh, wow. I thought they were blue. Now they are all black. Those are some of her um, her friends or whatever that, that saw her. Wow. Yeah, so her eyes were all dilated. Her hands were all stretched out or whatever. And she was just like catatonic. Yeah. You know? After her third seizure, Annalise began experiencing one of the long, uh, longest lasting side effects, continuously filling her with uh, fratzen, mm-hmm. which is German for grimacing faces. Grimacing faces, yeah. so always in a sour-looking mood. Like just all, yeah, you just like scrunched. You can't get your face to be anything other than that. Oh wow! You know, so it's fratzen, fratzen. So all our German listeners out there, I hope I, I'm sure I got that one right because it's pretty easy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Another EEG showed quote an irregular alpha pattern with some theta and delta waves, but nothing pathological. Okay. By 1973, her friends and family reported her behavior had changed. She was irritable and withdrawn, prone to lashing out in anger. Again, my everyday life. But so she's going from this nice, sweet girl, right? And all these, she's having these seizures and stuff, and becoming very like just angry yeah. and like you know don't want to be around her kind of person. Again, like me. Am I possessed? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Annalise fell into a deep and prolonged depression. This depression was severe enough that she contemplated suicide and would later describe it as quote. This is no longer depression. This is a condition. She claimed, quote, someone else is manipulating me and that, quote, my will is not my own. She mentioned to her psychiatrist that she, quote, could uh, could not love sufficiently, that she felt, quote, castrated, ice cold, and told her boyfriend, uh, his name's Peter, we'll talk about him later, quote, I can't feel any love at all. I am numb, sort of. I can't feel emotions like that. So she's just, like, literally, like, shutting off. Like, it almost seems like from a... From a human standpoint, right? Yeah. It seems like she's progressively turning to a, a shell of her former self. Something other than, yeah. you know, definitely not herself, yeah. So Annalise stopped associating with her usual group of friends and became drawn to a group of students considered to be religious zealots. That is not a good sign. No. We should not do that. Nope. <laughs> Just saying. One of her childhood friends noted, quote, after her illness, Annalise was changed. She was quiet and withdrew from her friends. I also noted that she kept wanting to carry on carry on mostly religious conversations. She's getting more and more into her religion. Right. For her part, Annalise became convinced of her damnation and began warning others of the world's imminent end. Sounds oh. like she's a blast at parties. She believed she had personal visions and communed with the Virgin Mary and became parti- particularly Particular. drawn to the life of Barbara Weigand, a Catholic myst- uh, mystic and prophetess. Oh. Yeah. She also claimed to experience visions of the Virgin Mary. Okay, hmm. so now it's, you can just see the progression here, yeah. right? Yeah. In addition to the visual hallucinations, Annalise also claimed to begin exper- uh, experiencing olfactory hallucinations known as phantasmic. <laughs> Phantasmia. Phantasmia. Yeah, that's like what you get with uh, like COVID. You like smell certain things that aren't there. Like when I had it the second time, dude, I would smell diesel fuel all the time. You were just ripping ass. Yeah, probably. Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. Yep. I don't give you yeah, that. I'll definitely give you that diesel booty. Freaking phantasmagoria on your ass. 
Quote, she started smelling a horrid stench not perceived by others. Okay, the nature of this nasty smell changed over time. However, it was later uh, related, um, or it was brought, said, mm-hmm. sorry, um, Annalise exuded a stench like, uh, like Frau Hein had never smelled before, like fecal matter or something burning. Ooh. Everyone in the bus could smell it. So it went from her smelling it to, it, to other people smelling it now. Yeah, that's no good. You know, this would seem to indicate that the source of the stench was, in fact, Annalise herself. Mm. So she smells like burning boo-boo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which the boo-boo part, eh, that's not good. But the burning part, I'm like, that seems weird, right? Yeah, that's off. Further evidence supports this from a visit from Father Roth to the Michel household. There's a lot of fathers and priests that come in and out of this whole situation. So if you get confused, so am I. <laughs> so um, he shows up and, quote, um, Air Michel, that's, you know, her, mm-hmm. Received me and took me immediately to the living room. It was filled with a horrible stench of something burning burning, and of dung that penetrated everything. Air Michel expressly called my attention to it and told me that Annalise had been in the room just before. Oh, that's her mom. Gotcha. Her mom brought her in. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. And that uh, Annalise had been in the room just before. In the other rooms of the Michel home and on the outside, I could detect no trace. So basically, wherever she was, it smelled like, like shit. And, and something burning. Hmm. Did they check her underwear, make sure she didn't leave any, you know? I'm, 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 you know what? I'm not going to put a pass on that they didn't. You'll find out when okay. we get there on this. Okay. It's yeah. oh. So the pungent smell was not, however, present all the time, which is weird. Yeah. You'd think if she was just, you know, not bathed, right. that it would be, be there, there constantly. Yeah. During the criminal investigation in October of 1976, Father Hagabar recalled his first meeting with Annalise and mentioned nothing of an odor. Father Airman. Uh, who met with Annalise about 10 times from 1973 to 1975, stated, quote, from her parents, I heard that on occasion she evidenced disrespect towards sacred objects and there was a stench of dung or of something burning in the room where she was. However, these symptoms never occurred in my apartment. In other words, while he was there. Gotcha. So he never got that, but other people said they did. Okay. Likewise, none of Annalise's doctors, classmates, or teachers ever complained of a foul odor emanating from or percolating around her other than those people that were, you know, earlier that we were talking right, about. Right. Her boyfriend was utterly unaware of her problem with the smell until she mentioned how it plagued her. Based on what Annalise revealed to her psychiatrist, we know she was intimate with her boyfriend. Okay. So, they, you know, an intimate could mean just kissing, hugging, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hands. I'm not hating, whatever. Yeah. But he says, obviously, you would think that he would smell burning doo-doo if... You're, yeah. you're getting up on somebody. But, I mean, if he's around her a lot and kind of, like... Used, used to it, you mean? Yeah, kind of got used to like it. Like a chick with bad breath. Yeah. You, you, see, I don't get, I can't get used to that. Neither can I. I can't get that. This yeah, is, I don't do that. It's nasty. Yeah. It's nasty. He's a tic-tac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole box of it. <laughs> By 1973, she had depression and began hallucinating while praying and complained about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would, quote, rot in hell. Oh. Yikes. Uh, quote, Michelle, uh, Michelle's treatment in a psychiatric hospital did not improve her health, and her depression worsened. Long-term treatment did not help either, and she grew increasingly frustrated with the medical intervention, taking pharm- uh, pharmacological drugs for five years. In addition, Michelle became intolerant of Christian sacred places and objects such as the crucifix. Uh, okay. You so know. now this is somebody who is a devout... Catholic loves her faith. Loves her faith, and now she can't stand to see the sight of these things. Interesting. Yeah. What are you thinking so far? I'm thinking that I see uh, your gears are working. Yeah. Or at least the one squirrel is on Just, its wheel. Right yeah, now. yeah. The other one took a break, eating yeah. some nuts. Um. So so far, what I'm thinking 
<clears throat> is that uh, she's got COVID. That's the whole whole issue. Okay. Yeah. It could. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. And all the way back then, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, I mean, it's been around for a while. Yeah, I guess. Has yeah. it? I mean, <laughs> it was on Lysol cans prior to COVID being released. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Just a different strain. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yep. So, in one instance, her family organized a trip to San, uh, San Damiano to pray for God to intervene, for God to come down and help our daughter, right? Makes sense. Annalise uh, said standing on the shrine, soil made her feet burn, and she refused to drink water from its holy spring. As a result, she could not even walk past sacred icons. And the priest uh, who was there with them stated she approached it, you know, the shrine, mm-hmm. with the greatest hesitation, then said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. She also noted that she could no, uh, no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. That kind of makes sense with the epileptic seizures or whatever that she was having prior, the the great mall seizures and stuff. You okay. know, maybe that was just like, because like I get really weird around bright lights and stuff because, you know, I have really bad migraines and stuff too, so. Yeah, but why just those particular things though? I mean, you've, you've ever been to a church? You see how sh- bright and shiny, like the lights literally gleam just on those objects for a reason. But that'd be like you not being able to look at a beer. Oh, that's different. See, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's weird, right? That is, is kind of weird. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's weird. So Annalise was put on several medications, but none seemed to help the situation throughout the early 70s. Finally, between the results of her pilgrimage and, you know, going to try and get the intervention, right. and her increasingly strange behavior, her parents decided to put the, the faith in the church. Okay. Oh, and uh, an and exorcism as well. Yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Her behavior had deteriorated uh, to the point, deteriorated, to the point where she would at times growl, swear, blas- uh, blaspheme for no goddamn reason. Wow. See what I did there? Yeah, I did. And even urinate on the floor and lick it up. Oh, this just went like totally. Yep. Mm. Full tilt boogie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then in the spring of 1973, Annalise began to hear a knocking sound in her room. Oh. Dr. Vaught could not find anything wrong with her hearing, so he referred her to a specialist. However, her mother, Anna, began to believe something supernatural was occurring because she and her other daughters could soon hear the same sound, like rapping or thumping in the wardrobe, like their dresser, you know, where they oh, hang their stuff. Oh, it wasn't like the Beastie Boys in there or anything? No. Oh. That'd be awesome. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> if you heard, what you, what you, what you, why? <laughs> what the fuck? Brass monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the knocking is... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, in addition, Annalise was now seeing overtly demonic faces with horns, you know, just crazy shit, Ooh. telling her she would be damned for eternity. Her father, Joseph, or Yosef, I'm assuming it's probably Yosef. Probably Yosef, yeah. yeah. Dismissed these weird-ass happenings as products of hysteria. Okay? You know, he's dead. He's like, oh, quit it. Yeah. You know, go to your room. Yeah. Stop pulling your sister's hair. Stop drinking your pee. Right. Yo, especially that one. <laughs> However, he was disturbed by his wife's account of Annalise staring at a statue of the Virgin with a malicious expression on her face. Ooh. Her eyes were black and dilated, and her hands contorted like an animal's paws. Yikes. So, she's not happy. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to say so far. <laughs> on September 3rd, Annalise revisited Dr. Luthi and finally told him of the hideous faces she'd been seeing. She also confided that the devil was inside of her and that a judgment of fire would come upon everyone. Again, not fun at parties. No. Dr. Luthi recalled, quote, she could not get her mind off these things. She had no power of decision and everything was empty in her. Mama Anna claimed that Dr. Luthi advised them to see a Jesuit about the demonic faces, but the doctor intensely denied that he had said any of that shit. 
Okay. Okay. So Mama says no. He told us to go see a Jesuit priest, and and this Doctor Luthier or whatever is like, mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. <laughs> I never said that. Mm-mm. So it is possible that maybe he you know made a you know just a comment or something in passing, like you know maybe you know maybe she should see put it in other hands. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which maybe he forgot. You know. Since, uh, you know, uh, Frau Michelle here was adamant that she had gotten the idea of calling a Jesuit from the doctor. Okay. She had never before heard that Jesuits, Jesuits were specialists at exorcisms. So if she didn't know this, she had to have gotten the idea from somewhere. Yeah. You know, and that's that's if we're, you know, calling Mama a, a an honest person, which I feel like we are yeah. right now. Okay. Yeah. Either way, Dr. Luthi did not think much of the vision since he prescribed only uh, Aulept? Aulept. Yeah. A-O-L-E-P-T. Aulept. Oh, Aulept. Aulept. A-O-L-E-P-T. Which is also known as uh, parasizine. Parasite. Drops, okay? okay? A medium-intensity antipsychotic drug for neurosis in children. That shit is mainly sold in Canada, Italy, Russia, and Australia, and you can't even get it in the United States. Oh, yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We have so much dumb stuff over here. That's what I'm saying. It's probably yeah, very it's probably good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thanks, America. So in his words, quote, it could not be stated with uh, certainty at, uh, at the time that there was the beginning of a psychotic symptomatology. Okay. Okay. So he's saying right here, I can't, couldn't tell you What's if she was on? starting to have a psychotic uh, episodes or whatever. Right. Okay. Or a psychosis. So, despite continued treatment with uh, Dilantin and Parasizing, oh. Annalise's visions did not go away, and the drugs only seemed to make her tired and more depressed. Mm. The Michels believed that the images were a particular problem from these seizures, and now followed Dr. Luthi's offhand suggestion to see a priest about them. Okay, it went from medical to a priest. That's what normally you would do. Okay. Yeah, makes right. sense. Is that normally what you would do? That's what I would do, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, if medicine can't figure out, well, leave it to God. He'll take care of it. Oh, boy. <laughs> they first sought uh, Father Hab- uh, Habiger, who we talked about earlier, yeah. pastor of the Mother of God Parish in Asch- uh, Aschaffenburg. Very good. I feel like I got that. Yeah. Who examined Annalise, who found only an ordinary shy girl with no signs of possession. He recommended that she see a physician. All right, there it is. Okay. So that's the story, guys. Nice. We're good, all right? Now go home and get your fucking shine box. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it would suck if that was the end of the story. Be, would yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, of course not. That's not what happened. The family was able to contact an elderly Jesuit, Father Adolf Rodwick, in Frankfurt about Annalise's case. Ah. Father Rodwick was in uh, Rod- Frodrick. Frodrick. <laughs> Frod- why, why do you keep saying Frodrick? <laughs> I go. <laughs> So this father was an expert on possession, having published a book on the subject. Okay. Still, he could not travel to uh, uh, Klingenberg and recommended the retired father, Herman, of the Mother of God Parish in Aschaffenburg. Uh, okay, you got that? Here, we got two priests, one church. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman. Gross. Yep. Anyway, two priests, one church. Get it? That's so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my button? Not that one. <laughs> there it is. Sorry, folks. It's been a while. <laughs> Father Ehrman met with Annalise 10 times in his home and found her a nice, deeply religious girl. He recommended that she see a neurologist, but she protested that she had already seen Dr. Luthi, who could not help her. Right. Okay, so she's probably getting aggravated here. Yeah, you know, I would be. Nevertheless, Father Ehrman did not observe any sacrilegious behavior by Annalise. She calmly prayed the rosary with him many times without any demons popping out and burning their poop. That's good. Yeah, that's, a good, that's positive. That's positive, right. yeah. We're getting better. Right. In September of 1973, Father Ehrman visited Father Ernst Alt. Ah, what a name. Ernst Alt. Is that's he, his name. Is he the alternative Ernst? I don't know. 
<laughs> It'd be funny if his first name was Control, and then the last name Delete. Such Get a it. stupid control. joke. I'll Get out of here. Yeah. All right, sorry. <laughs> there it is. Anyway, so this is Father Alt of the St. Agatha Parish in uh, Aschaffenburg. Father Alt had already heard about Annalise's case from uh, Thea Hain and had long had a he had a very he was very interested in the paranormal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Having conducted studies of extrasensory perception. Oh, ESP. Also known as, yes, as ESP. Oh, also an awesome guitar brand. Oh, really? But Oh, yeah, ESP. I thought it was ESQ. Oh, that's a magazine. Never mind. That's Esquire. No, they make they make a squire. I don't know. Which is a lower. Any, wow. Okay. No. <laughs> anyway, if you guys want to hear more of us talk about uh, stuff music. that <laughs> music and stuff Logan doesn't know, please check out Icons and Outlaws. Available yeah. every Monday, wherever you find your favorite podcast. That's good. Thanks. Anyway, so um, he's into ESP and stuff, which I do want to do an episode about because there's it. there's a lot of really cool. You have it, yeah. I really? sense right now that you're getting agitated. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you do have it. <laughs> Holy shit! So, but like people like Yuri Geller and stuff, and like these people who a lot of people think are charlatans, but actually yeah. have done some shit. They're like, wait a minute. Yeah, like that one chick who was able to like pinpoint exactly where the a body was and stuff like that, and drew the area, and they found her, and yeah, that's that stuff. Yeah, she was the killer. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so this was not unusual at the time, okay, for people to be, in, like, the fathers and stuff to be into ESP, all right? Yeah. All right? It just wasn't. As um, Even the non-religious researchers took ESP seriously in the 1970s. So this was, like, a new phenomenon that everyone's like, oh, this this is real, you yeah. know? Yeah. Still, Father Alt-Delete here also believed himself to have uh, t- telepathy. Yeah. Uh, uh, precognition. Nice. And even dowsing powers. Oh. Yeah. So evidently he was a big believer in the paranormal. Yeah. Mm. We've used those before. Yes, they, we they have. actually work. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> I, don't I don't know. They worked whenever I used them. Maybe I have dowsing powers. I'm still on the fence with that whole thing. I could be Control-Alt-Delete. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> Father, Control-Alt-Delete. Yes. Control-Alt-Delete, sorry. So uh, Father Alt offered uh, uh, mass, okay, mm-hmm. and on behalf of the troubled girl he had yet to meet. And while preparing for the uh, consecration, he had another incredible sensation. Oh. Quote, all of a sudden, something hit me in the back. The air turned cold. And at the same time, there was an intense stench, as though something was burning. I had to lean against the altar. With great effort and only by dint of considerable concentration was I able to speak the rest of the text. I felt deeply distressed, as if a negative force were surrounding me, which... However, aside from vexing me, could inflict no real harm. Mm-hmm. Did he do the mm-hmm? Exactly. That, that was the end of the quote. Oh, that was the end of the quote? Yes. Oh, okay. He's like, could inflict no real harm. Mm-hmm. And he snapped. <laughs> yeah. I could see him doing that. Oh, for sure. Right. After Mass, Father Alt uh, calmly relayed, uh, related his experience to another priest. Went over and told him, said, hey, dude, this is what happened. That night, he was unable to sleep, even with the aid of a sleeping pill. Oh, oh no. boy. He smelled a variety of stenches, alternating from poop to sewage, which is kind of the same thing, I guess. Yeah. But not, I guess. Maybe poop has like a distinct, eh, whatever. I'm not going to get into the, the smell of shit on here. You sure? Eh, I don't know. We could talk about it. We could talk about <laughs> shit all day long. <laughs> <laughs> not like we haven't talked about worse. Yeah, true. Uh, also to something burning. Again, that whole... It's weird. Right. Additionally, he heard a thumping sound in his wardrobe as well. Oh. Finally, after praying to Padre Pio repeatedly. That's amazing. Padre Pio. Padre Pio. My name is Padre Pio. You killed my father. (laughs) Prepare to die. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that. Anyway. No? So he suddenly smelled an intense fragrance of poop. Violets. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, yeah, I know. The the dynamic varies. Oh, my God. It smells like violets. I'm turning violet, violet. (laughs) 
I'm well, turning shit, shit. <laughs> At that time, he noticed that his, quote, field of vision had been very much narrowed and his, quote, color perception was reduced. Ooh. But now his eyesight was restored. The following day, he spoke of his experience to his fellow priests, and suddenly they could all smell a burning stench throughout the parish house, Weird. though the windows were open. Oh, uh, how far away do these guys live from each other? I'm assuming the... it's it's a distance. You think? Yeah, but this is before they, he even went to meet with her, though. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Like, he knew about her and knew he was going to go meet with her and do all this stuff, and yeah. that's why he said he had that experience right. where he like felt like something was put in whatever. Yeah, so it's kind of odd, huh? That is a little weird. Yeah. On July 30th, 1975, Peter, you know, Annalise's boyfriend here, he visited her in Klingenberg. That's where she's at. Right. They went for a walk, limited by Annalise's constant exhaustion and sluggish, stiff-limbed gait. So she's walking kind of weird and just acting kind of weird. However, when Peter suggested that they head back home, she was suddenly able to move normally, even gingerly, and she exclaimed happily that she was entirely herself again. Oh, odd. Weird, right? Something in the house. Yes. Perhaps. In the walls. Perhaps. Or maybe it's Peter. Oh, Peter. And his... Peter. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> oh, Peter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long time, folks. I'm just glad to be back. I swear to God I am. I'm so happy to be back here. My voice is a little kind of like weird today. Yeah. You know, but it's all good. It's good. Adding an ambiance. Yes. So the following day, they returned to Würzburg, where Annalise registered for the fall semesters, where she's going to school. Nice. While grocery shopping, however, her face and legs tensed up. Yet oh, she no. did not... Uh, she didn't behave aggressively about it, so it just happened, and she's just kind of like, oh, God. When she returned to her room, she um, ended up standing stiff in front of a crucifix, glaring at it with hatred. Peter later stated, quote, her face was totally distorted. She growled like an animal and gritted her teeth so loudly that I was afraid that all her teeth would fall out. I started praying for her in thought, without giving any indication at all of what I was doing. Immediately, she ordered me, with clenched teeth, to stop. That's uh, fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly aroused. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever does it for you, I guess. I don't know. Peter had not been a church-going Catholic before meeting Annalise. And, you know, much less, he definitely wasn't a devout right, you know, right. religious person. Nevertheless, he had started going to Mass again for her sake. Okay, Good. His, his girlfriend, yeah. yeah. And now he was squarely facing evidence of the supernatural. So he, if you want to know where that smell of shit's coming from, it's probably his pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Probably. Right. For an hour, the recently lucid Annalise stood transfixed in one spot, strangely bending her upper body away from the crucifix as it, even as her arms reached toward it. She later explained, quote, I wanted to take the cross in my hand, but against my will, I was pushed back, so I couldn't reach it. Ooh. So in other words, she's literally trying to grab the thing, and something is, like, pulling her back from it. That's so crazy. Yeah, imagine seeing that. Yeah, I wonder. I wouldn't be wondering where the poop comes uh, Yeah, from. what the... Sh- whoa. Yeah. So it appeared that more than one consciousness was living inside Annalise's body. More than one? More than one. So less than two. What? What? More than how do you get more than one <laughs> and less than two? One point five. I, mean, I have failed. So after this episode, Peter said, "Fuck this shit," and has never been heard from again. Oh, he just he he out. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Anyway, that'd be fucked up. Wouldn't it? <laughs> that'd be pretty fucked up. <laughs> uh, everyone be like, "Fuck Peter, <laughs> fuck that guy." No, I'm kidding. He actually returned Annalise to Klinkenberg, uh, where her condition actually got worse. Oh. At this point, her parents were directly petitioning Bishop Stengel for an exorcism. Yeah. 
Father Alt, the psychic priest over here, also mm. wanted to talk to the bishop, who was on vacation, probably golfing, and finally managed to obtain oral permission to say only the short German form of the exorcism rite. Okay. The short form. Short form. Jesus, get out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> get out! <laughs> out! Just boop her on the nose with a, <laughs> with a paper, like, power of Christ propels you. <laughs> get out! Is that it? Yeah, we're done. So no, it's, it's the short version. So on August 3rd, the Sunday after Annalise's return, and also the greatest day ever, because I was born that day. Were you? Yeah. Anyway. You son of a... <laughs> so Father Alt uh, recited the Cliss Notes version of the exorcism. All right. So Father Roth noted Annalise's signs of possession were not as strong as when he had last visited her, but she whimpered and moaned throughout the entire exorcism, and at one point pleaded, Stop! It's burning! When asked where, she said, In my back! In my arms! At another point, she said... I am free, suggesting she was free of demons. But then she continued to whimper and moan. Mm. The priests were in the house for a total of two hours wow. during, during this this one. That was a short. Yes. Well, it's the unabridged or the abridged. Is it abridged? Abridged. Abridged. Yeah. Abridged version. Yes. The cliff notes. Yeah. yeah. Two hours for a cliff notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So although Father Alt believed Annalise benefited from his subpar ex- exorcism over here, uh, her behavior became alarmingly worse through August. Okay. She was now plagued by insomnia, unable to sleep for more than an hour or two. She would rush through the house, bucking up and down the stairs like a goat. She exhibited compulsive behaviors, repeatedly kneeling and standing in rapid succession until her knees swelled. Oh, wow. She sometimes prayed continuously from dawn till dusk. Uh, What? Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. So, quote, my Jesus, forgiveness and mercy, forgiveness and mercy. She would constantly scream. Except when she would, and when she would, she would tremble and fall onto the ground, completely rigid, like just stiff as a board. Wow. This immobile state could last for days, so her sister would have to try to feed her and wash her. So wow. shit's just fucking going off the rails over here. I still can't get over the fact that she was going up on the stairs like a goat. <laughs> Sorry, that I know it's kind of stuck in my that, mind. I don't want to laugh, but it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind like of funny, if I walked but... in and I saw one of my kids doing it, I'd be like. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Just bouncing up and down like. <laughs> yeah. Is that what a goat? Is that what mine sounded like a dolphin? I don't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> so only after the exorcism ritual did Annalise begin to exhibit apparently insane behavior, which of course coincides with classic demonic behavior. And the going up and down the stairs like right. a goat didn't. Well, remember cloven hooves. Mm. I'm just saying, maybe. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the goat thing. I don't know. I don't know. What she that was is. just. I, I think it's more about her, just her, her actions, how she's acting. She was just going up and down the stairs in a pa- prancing manner. I guess that would make more sense. I mean, goats kind of bounce, don't they? Yeah, they're really the happy ones, do. Until you scare them and they fall over. It's amazing. <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite things in the world. Is the when you just, goats. Yeah, you just seem just fall over. So good. I kind of my heart drops every time I see that. Why? Because I feel like they're dead. Oh, they're not dead. Yet. What do you? What do you? I have a heart attack. Yeah, deer do that all the time. Deer, dude. If you were to catch an actual deer, they go through so much anxiety that the anxiety itself kills them within like thirty to forty-five minutes of being captured. Really? Yeah. All right. So I'm not catching any deer anytime soon, unless you want to haul three, four hundred pounds worth of meat. Let's keep that. Uh, maybe we should uh, uh, let your grandfather know to not be catching any more wild animals, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a different episode. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, we should have freaking got him a lunchbox. Oh, oh my God! I didn't even put that I didn't together put it right now. I just did. I okay, saw it. And I was this like, "This goes out to our girls in Jersey." Yeah. All right. I got pictures. 
We have pictures, and we will post them up. All right, my sister's skeleton. Not to be confused with the <laughs> skeleton. sisters. Skeleton. Not to be confused with the sister's skeleton. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. So my skeleton sisters. Um, my father, Logan's grandfather, has a pet raccoon. And I'm not even kidding. He's this tiny little itty-bitty baby raccoon. Dude, right? I love him to death, His name's man. Fidget, yep. and he's the cutest little freaking thing in the world. Dude, he has so much energy, and he just wants to play nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, it's, they feed him with a bottle and everything else, yeah. and he's just, he's tyrannical. He gets out and just wants to just freaking run around. So anyway, yeah, we'll send some pictures over. So yeah, we have our own Will West Virginia raccoon. Yeah. It's probably not as tough as a Jersey raccoon. Probably not. I, I'll give him one of the switch, switch blades they sent us. Yes, we should yeah. do that. You <laughs> probably will end up stabbing one of us with it. <laughs> so hello from Fidget. All right, so witnesses attested that she also displayed almost superhuman strength and would repeatedly kneel and rise at crazy speeds. Remember, she's praying. She's not praying. She's praying. She's not praying. She's praying. You know what I mean? Yeah. She felt heat through uh, throughout her entire body and would tear her clothes off to cool herself. Oh. Probably not too good. I mean, except unless you're Peter. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's true. She put insects in her mouth. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Ugh. Never mind. <laughs> Urinated on the floor, and you guessed it. Licked it up. Licked it up. Ugh. Yeah, and repeatedly tried to strike her family members and destroy sacred objects. Oh. So she, it's just, it's escalating yeah. greatly. So Annalise saw clouds of flies and small shattery creatures that eventually her family could see. That's odd. Okay. But, I mean, is it just the phenomena, you know, where someone says they see something and someone else is scared, and then, oh, my God, I see it, too? Kind of. Maybe. Maybe just the, the mound and horde of flies that are, you know, around her now. Maybe they're just seeing those in the distance. Maybe it's from the poop in the underwear. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. And we're not making fun. I, we, we are, but you, you get it. Anyway, yeah. so she had visions of the deceased, and stigmata marks appeared on her knee. Stigmata. Stigmata. You know what that is, right? I know what stag. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what those are. Well, I will tell you here in a second. Oh. Uh, these marks were distinct from her other injuries, yet it has long been known that stigmata can be induced by suggestion in emotionally sensitive people, at least in a mild form. Huh. So stigmata in Christianity are the appearance of bodily wounds, scars, and pain in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus Christ, such as the hands, wrists, and feet. Stigmata are exclusively associated with Roman Catholicism. That is so weird. there's a movie called Stigmata, and oh, yeah. I, I'm trying to think what her name is. It's in it, and it's gonna. Everyone out there is yelling at me right now. Okay. Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, no, it's not Michelle Pfeiffer. No, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll figure. We'll know by the time this is over. You don't have to tweet us <laughs> anyway. So, and seriously, she started getting like her, um, um, like in her hands and stuff. That's no, it weird. was it was her wrists. Yeah. Because that's where he was actually um, uh, crucified was his wrist, right. not his ha actual hands. The stakes, whatever went through. Yeah, yeah. so th it's a great movie, but it's like super fucked up. Yeah, yeah super. <laughs> <laughs> like super. So the local parish priest recommended that Annalise be taken to see a psychiatrist. The Michels had already had their fill of psychiatrists, and there was no way Annalise, now a 22-year-old adult, could be persuaded to go to a psych uh, psychiatric clinic. No more psychiatrists. Yeah. So they contacted Father Rodwick in Frankfurt again, and the old priest finally came to see the girl himself. Because remember, they talked to him before, but he never actually came out there. Yeah. Father Rodwick saw Annalise lying on the floor in an apparent hypnotic trance, oblivious to those around her. Okay? Mm. So she's just, again, catatonic. Yeah. She was led to the sofa by her parents, and the priest asked, quote, what is your name? The response was, Judas. Uttered in a deeper, altered voice. 
After a while, her muscles were uncramped and she could speak as herself with calmness and lucidity. Okay. This clear manifestation of a dual personality persuaded Father Roderick to run the fuck out the door and never look back. Good for him. I'm just kidding. He obviously knew that it was a case of possession. One of these times it's actually going to happen. I hope so. (laughs) But I'll probably change it or lie about it just to see what happens. So it seems strange that a man's name, Judas, should be given to a demon, yet Father Roderick claimed that the name Judas was often provided by other possessed victims. Okay, so, or possession victims. Interesting. So other people have said that Judas was in there. It is not that the uh, the demon was actually the Judas of the Gospels, but rather the name represents the role or function of the demon. Mm. Okay. A Judas demon attempts to force its victim to imitate the apostle in the betrayal of, of his Lord, often by preventing victims from swallowing during Holy Communion to steal the host. Oh. Yeah. It's fucked up. It is really. It's fucked. This whole thing is yeah. fucked up. Like, I was doing the, I was working on this until real late last night. Oh, that's even worse. I was just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> looking around the corner, like, I don't even believe in this shit. <laughs> so, Annalise did, in fact, feel resistance to consuming the host, you know, when you take the, you know, what is it, communion? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, she allowed it to, to uh, just dissolve in her mouth. She also displayed a compulsion to kiss people while wearing a hostile, a hostile expression on her face, which is just uh, crazy to me. Come here, honey. Yeah. Like, hey, I want to give you a kiss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whoa. <laughs> Which is reminiscent of the Judas kiss. So Judas kissed Jesus before, you know, when he betrayed him. And stuff so when like does that. Judas Priest come in? Judas Priest? Yeah. Later. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Father Roderick thought these behaviors confirmed his position that she was possessed by a Judas demon. Which would all kind of make sense. Yeah. Right? Shortly after uh, Father Roderick's visit, Annalise became well again. Without any de- uh, demonic manifestations, she could eat meals regularly. Uh, you know, which she was not allowed to. She says, "Interesting." Yeah, she used to say, "I'm not allowed to eat." So yeah, she was being starved because of her possession. Right. Okay. Meanwhile, based on Father Rodwick and Alt, you know, Alt Control, Alt Delete, Father uh-huh. Alt, whatever, uh-huh. um, the bishop finally granted permission on September 16th, 1975, to conduct the complete rite of exorcism. God damn time. Right. So not we're not getting the short little shitty one. Yeah, that made things worse. We're going to get the big one, the unabridged. Nice. The one that's going to fix all this, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. So the permission was given to Father Arnold Rentz, superior of a Salvatorian monastery and pastor of a parish near Klingenberg. He was said to be a pious, intelligent, kind, and trustworthy man. His charismatic personality won Annalise's respect and friendship in the moments when she wasn't drinking her own urine. <laughs> yeah. So Father Rentz's account of his first visit on September 24th, 1975, found Annalise to be quite normal on the first day with, quote, nothing that would have indicated possession. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, she seems perfectly fine. Yeah. Nevertheless, he performed the standard rite of exorcism because he had been requested to do so by his fellow priests. Okay, just, well, they asked me to do this, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to fucking do this for you. Yeah. Hey, guy, listen, you guys asked me to do something, I'm going to do it, all right? You want me to do the whole rite, I'll do it, all right? That's how he talks. You didn't know that, right? No, I didn't know that That's at all. That's how he talks, yeah. Really? Comes in, he's like, listen, I got this, all right? Listen, yo, lady, sit down, all right. See, I had more of a Cedric the Entertainer voice in my head. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, sit down. <laughs> so, again, he said he was going to do it, right? So, um, you know, and the family, of course, including the perfectly aware and lucid Annalise herself, wanted this to be done. Good, good. Even though she's completely cognitive here, and she's like, listen, I, I want you to do this. Yeah. So the ritual involves a fixed sequence of prescribed prayers followed by direct questioning of the demons and culminates in direct commands for them to get the fuck out. Oh. Yes. Uh, maybe not in so many words. But oh, okay. 
In the course of the ritual, Annalise's behavior changed. Okay? Calm, cool, and collected at first, her body began to shake violently, and she screamed and squirmed as she was held down by three men to prevent her from biting or kicking the other people. Sprinkling her with holy water uh, just made her scream more. And she occasionally demanded the priest stop, you know, like stop, like begging them to stop. Yeah. But with many fuck yous and suck my dicks involved. Okay. Yeah, because she was, I mean, obviously in German. <laughs> Your mother's a whore. <laughs> Your mother sucks dicks in hell. <laughs> yeah. So the whole session lasted five and a half hours. Oh, my Lord. Hours. It's a long day. That's a long day. That's like, what, three quarters of your work day? Yeah. 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 Fuck that. At the end of it, a very awake and functioning Annalise said that she should have continued because they actually stopped. That she should have continued because she felt that the exorcism was just pissing off or the demons here. Okay, no, she's saying, I'm sorry, she should not have continued. Ah, gotcha. Because she feels like it's just making things worse. Making it worse. Yeah. She fully recalled everything that happened, but her words and deeds had not come from her. Mm. So she's saying that she was there, but everything that was happening came from the demons inside of her. That'd be kind of weird. Yeah. Just watching your body writhe in pain and hearing this get out of your voice yeah. the whole time. And telling a priest to go fuck itself, you and, know what I mean? You know, yelling about his mom sucking dicks in hell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what that'd be. Well, I'd be laughing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> I wanted to say it. He said it. <laughs> In Annalise's case, she retained the memory of what occurred when the others took over her body, but it is unclear to what extent she knew what they thought. As for herself, she felt her own personality suppressed in what she called a, quote, hole, while she helplessly watched what the other entities did to her body and said with her mouth. Mm. So again, she's watching from the outside looking in, you know. This would seem to be an authentic and therefore rare case of split personality since she did not simply alter her behavior but rather her actual self coexisted with these other personalities. Hmm. It would seem then that there was more than one mental subject or person in Annalise's body, like a weird, less fun mental apartment building. Yeah. Yeah, basically what it is. We may learn something about the nature of these other personas from the recordings of the exorcism sessions. Oh. They emit hideous screams, growls, and moans, and speak in a deep, hoarse voice, uttering curses and mocking the exorcist. But on the other hand, they seem to understand Latin, Though a traditional Catholic girl might be expected to know some Latin, okay? Especially when they come from a family as devout as hers. Remember, they are very, 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 very Catholic. Very Catholic? Very, 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 very Catholic. Yes. Every now and then, they give evidence of understanding more advanced phrases, okay? So even if you knew basic Latin, it's a little bit advanced. Et tu brute. Yeah. (laughs) God bless you. Like when Father Rentz says, Ut decides abhac familia de Annalise. Meaning, may you depart from the handmaid of God, Annalise. Annalise's response, quote, no, no, she belongs for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure that wasn't Peter in the background saying that? That was me peeing right now because this is scary as <laughs> shit. So would you and you rest of you people out there like to hear some of these recordings? Fuck yeah. Fuck yes, you would. Let me get would. my blankie real quick, though. So here you go. I'm going to play some of these. Uh, the, these are actual. This is actual audio footage from these um, um, exorcisms. But you got to do me a favor. Okay. Everyone out there. Not yeah. you, because you're here with me. Oh, <laughs> I want you to do me a favor, and if you're in a car, you're someplace where you can't do this, pause it for a second. Okay. And then I want you to go someplace and turn off the lights. Oh. I want you to literally turn off the lights, and I want you to turn this up in your headphones, and then, you know, just let's get, like, really, really, really creepy. Okay, I'm going to turn the lights off real quick. Hold on. 
Ja, ich will auch für die anderen Leute, damit die nicht näher kommen so. Aber dass die dann so schlimm ist und so grausam und so furchtbar, nein. Das, das sind mir Leiden, das ist so, so leicht zu haben, wenn es dann wirklich schlimm wird. So this is her normal speaking voice. Gotcha. Here come the other demons. First one is Hitler. This one is Cain. This is Nero. This is Fleischmann. This is Judas. This is Lucifer. So yeah, that's that. Interesting. Um, you're welcome for the nightmares. Yeah, I'm. Uh, um, you, you, you didn't pay extra for that, did you? Woo! Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah, it's uh definitely intense and not like camping. Um, woo! Anyway. So, Rents tested the linguistic ability of the demonic-speaking person by questioning it in Chinese. Oh. 
The demon would not oblige this obvious search for proof of its nature and later said, quote, if you want to ask something, ask it in German, but follow with a taunt, quote, but I do too understand it. In other words, saying that he understands the Chinese, but you have to do it in German, which seems a little fishy for a demon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, a little bit. But maybe the demon didn't understand Chinese. That's fine. <laughs> Finally, however, the demon responded to a Dutch question. Okay. Okay. Quote, is there anything in your family that has any relation to the case and should not become public? The answer, quote, there is nothing like that. So it understood Dutch. Interesting. Okay. So the demon speaks Dutch, German, and Latin, but not Chinese. Interesting. Got it. Okay. Yeah, different demon. Right. As another test, Father Renz filled five bottles with water, some with tap, uh, tap water and others with holy water. Gotcha. Though the bottles were unmarked, the, quote, demons here somehow knew to scream only when the holy water was used. Interesting. Which is kind of... <laughs> a common form of engagement with the demons was to recite prayers or biblical readings to test their response. They hated any invocation of St. Michael the Archangel and seemed to fear the Blessed Virgin Mary. They dreaded any mention of guardian angels and screamed in horror during the litany of the five sacred wounds, a fact possibly related to the appearance of the stigmata. Mm. The demons claimed that they had um, oppressed Annalise while she was studying for her exams, but only with heavenly permission, and that she passed her exams anyway only because the lady willed it. Interesting. Some biblical passages left no impression on these malevolent entities as they apparently did not recognize themselves as referenced. Mentioning the beast in Revelation 13 left them unmoved, as did the gospel story of casting out a mute demon. So in other words, they're talking about who, you know, other demons or whatever, and they weren't even phased by it. So it didn't even bother them, you know. Okay. Direct questioning of the demons is a must by the Roman rite. This involves asking the names of the demons and how long they intend to keep their asses in their host. By learning the name and identity of a demon, the exorcist hopes to gain a sort of leverage or power over it, okay, which makes sense. He, uh, he uses the, uh, the, you know, the name and the formulas urging it to, to leave in the prayers. Okay? Gotcha. This questioning gave up several characters, and as each name was revealed, as we listened, the demon was forced to manifest its personality. We've already mentioned Judas, that we talked about earlier, and then we heard the others. There was Cain, Hitler, Pastor Fleischmann, okay, which is really weird. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like I said, Judas. These are, you know, the names of men and not demons, which is odd, right? Cain right. said, quote, he, he only has a big mouth but nothing to say, which could mean he was stripped of all his power. Mm. When he was talking about Hitler. Yeah. Okay, that's what Judas said of Hitler. It's, it's I actually, sorry, I missed, hold on. I, I, I've, this part's funny. Cain, okay, said very little, okay, while Hitler actually talked a lot. Right. And basically just muffled a bunch of hails. Like, hell, hell, wait, hell, <laughs> whatever he was doing. <laughs> and that's when Judas was like, he's got a big mouth and ain't saying shit. I got you. you know okay. what I mean? So Judas didn't even like Hitler. That's hilarious. Uh-huh. So the Pastor Fleischmann character was based on an obscure medieval priest in distant Edelben, uh, where Father Alt was now a pastor. According to the parish records, the Fleischmann, uh, uh, this Fleischmann guy, was a womanizer, drunkard, and brute who had beaten a man and woman nearly to death. Oh. Sounds like a great guy. Oh, yeah. When Father Alt visited the Michels in the fall of 1975, he mentioned to the family that a previous pastor of his parish had killed a man. So he had mentioned it before. Interesting. So did she just take that and then create? Mm. Or did that demon take on that personality? Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. When Father Alt, uh, again, he, he told her all that stuff. 
So at the moment, or at that moment, Annalise gave a terrible scream, though they were not performing an exorcism at the time. Several weeks later, he visited Annalise, accompanied by her boyfriend Peter, and asked her why she was frightened by the name Fleischman, upon which she screamed again. Her face alternated between smiles and hideous contortions. She immediately apologized, quote, Please don't take it too hard. I can't help it. That evening, while Father Renz here performed the rite of exorcism, a demon identified itself as Fleischman and gave many biographical details that Father Alt never mentioned in Annalise's presence. Okay. Father Alt confirmed that the archivist in Würzburg had always possessed the medieval Edebon parish records while she was in college there, right? Okay. So there was no way that Annalise could have even seen them or read anything about him. Okay. She had this other lady or this other person. I don't know if it's a lady or not. Anyway, did I say that? Yeah, she. Yeah. So this person mm-hmm. had it while she was in school there, while Annalise was in school. Gotcha. But there was no way she could have ever seen it. Okay. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, kind of kind of creepy. Yeah, a little bit. By October 4th through the 6th, two weeks after uh, Father Renz had begun the exorcisms, performed every two days or so, the demonic personalities weakened and spoke less frequently. They rarely responded with the usual ferocity toward the ritual, yet they never left. This lethargic behavior by the alter egos, apparently bored by the exorcism, yet just sticking around, is atypical of possession cases, suggesting perhaps some other factor prevented these personalities from manifesting themselves. Okay. On October 7th, Dr. Keller issued another Tegretol prescription for Annalise. That's that antipsychotic one. I think so, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I don't know. There are so many meds. Anyway, in that same evening, the demons returned in full force. Oh. Even uttering a hoarse scream and high-pitched laugh at the same time. The hell? Fuck <laughs> 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 that. This reinforces the suspicion that the prescription drugs may have been having an effect though it is unclear whether they enhanced or suppressed the demonic manifestations. Okay. So was it making her better, or was it making her worse? Both. Right. I mean, if, if you're having a high-pitched scream and a real low scream at the same time, yeah, I, I, I can't do that. Nope. I don't think. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. Still a taped conversation between uh, Father Renz and a doped-up Annalise that, e- uh, that evening makes it clear that she was coherent most of the time and was even studying for her exams at this time. Oh, wow. So when she wasn't possessed and demons coming out, she was trying to get ready for her exams. Hmm. Yeah. Her mother and sister Barbara insisted she had no more physical problems, except for the jerking motion during the exorcisms. She did not try to attack people anymore, and though her appetite was weak, she did, You know, she insisted that the demons were not preventing her from eating. Oh, okay. Well, Which is good. good. Yeah. She did sleep on the floor, however, and uh, otherwise the demons would force her to sit in, uh, sit up in bed. Oh. So if she laid down, they're like, no, sit up, bitch. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's fuck. I don't know why they do that. It's weird. So her torments were now purely psychological. She stated, quote, with that frightful anxiety with a mood of annihilation. She said she had this feeling since the 10th grade and is now weakening her memory and her concentration. She felt sick if she tried to go to church, and her mysterious tormentor caused her pain when the sign of the cross was made over her during the exorcism. Right. When asked where he was, she replied, quote, that differs. Usually he is all around, but sometimes either back there or down low. Mm. So does that mean he's, going, he's down in hell or he's down low in her? Down low in her. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, shit. I mean. Oh. <laughs> On October 13th, a strange new development occurred. Annalise began receiving messages from the Virgin Mary. Remember, she was getting those way earlier yeah, in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. At first, she and her family were skeptical of this, of course. 
which she wrote down in a diary suspecting a demonic trick. Yet the demons cursed the writings, attributing them to the Virgin by indicating a religious portrait. So she's saying the Virgin Mary's talking to her, and she's writing it down, and the demon's like, no, we don't like that. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, which is weird, because now you have conflicting things inside, you know what I mean? Yeah. Upon learning of Annalise's written messages, Father Renz thought of Barbara Weigand. Wag- we talked about her before. Yep. The seer from Shipak. Ship. S C H I P P A C H. Shipak. Shipak. Okay. Who was respected by the Michels and had a similar practice of writing heavenly messages. Father Renz offered Annalise a copy of Weigand's writings, and immediately her notes from the Virgin encouraged her to complete the mission of the deceased woman. Oh. So now she sees this other person who was writing these heavenly messages quote unquote so now she feels that she has to continue on where she left off gotcha so now you just made it even worse yeah that woman's sufferings inspired annalise to perceive meaning in her own torments and on october 29th she wrote that barbara wigan told her she must suffer a great deal so now she's taken even more on herself and that's what happens to a lot of these zealots they believe that they have to uh they, uh, what was the one movie where the guy whipped himself all the time? Oh, that was uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Angels and Demons. That was The Da Vinci Code. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah was it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, he was a... Uh, That's why I was asked. that <laughs> pale albino... Al- al- Yes, yes, Albino that guy. guy that kept yeah. whipping himself with the, the, yeah, yeah. the, the foreign whip. He, he had to repent for the sins that he committed and stuff like that. And so. the, sense, the sins of man and yeah. everything else. It's it's super Yeah, crazy. that was... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jarvis that played him, wasn't it? Uh, From Iron Man? I don't think... Maybe? I don't... I don't think so. I swear that. Was I know he was in another movie that where he was like an angel or whatever. That was pretty. Oh cool. yeah, Le- that was Legion. Legion. Yeah, oh, that, was, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah that especially was. when that thing jumped up on the ceiling. Yeah, the old lady. Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so she obviously is trying to continue on with this, and that she must suffer now. So regarding these visions, Annalise said, "Quote: I don't hear voices exactly. I am only given to understand." Though she depicts the visitations with uh, visual imagery, she writes, "Quote: I see nothing." In other words, she's drawing pictures and stuff, but she doesn't see what she's writing. Interesting. Right. Thus, these inspirations cannot be adequately attributed to auditory or visual hallucinations, the ordinary signs of schizophrenia. Yeah. Aha. Mm-hmm. Instead, they, they were purely spiritual or intellectual in nature. Couldn't be schizophrenia. Nope. Right? We didn't have mental disorders back then. Right. Well, they did, but not like this. No. By October 16th, Annalise received messages from the Blessed Virgin that she would, quote, become entirely free in October, which is a Marian month, which is the Queen Mary, or not Queen Mary. Well, it's also Queen Mary, but also Virgin Mary month. They call it Marian month. I don't know, whatever. Uh, okay. However she, uh, however, she was also told that a terrible judgment was coming, and even the demons attested to this, saying it would be, quote, worse than the last two. Oh. They, everyone assumes they mean the last two world wars. I was thinking the last two exorcisms. No. There's been a lot of exorcisms. Remember, they were doing them like once every two days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there was lots, lots. Yeah. And, uh, it, and also this worse than the last two thing would uh, take place in Europe. So now the demons were predicting a new world war. Mm. Yeah. Annalise was also repeatedly visited by the spirit of Father Roth's nephew, who died at the beginning of the month. He told her he was in heaven and, uh, and there to encourage her in her tribulations. Which is nice, but in the same sense, Jesus... <laughs> I didn't mean to say that Jesus party. God <laughs> damn it. Damn it. I did it again. Stop it. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm feeling right now should not blaspheme, even though I'm anyway. Yeah. She also recorded messages supposedly from Christ, though she repeatedly expressed doubts and fears that these messages might be tricks by the devil. In one message, she was told, quote, you will become a great saint and was forced to cry to prove that she had heard correctly. In another, the quote savior, whoever this person is, this 
entity, this being, yeah. tells her, quote, you are going to get married, Annalise. In this one way, you are not going to be like Barbara Weigand, but you are going to be like her in every other way, in suffering and in sacrifice. Oh. <laughs> Don't like none of that. Nope. <laughs> In the last week of October, Annalise continued to receive messages from the Savior, mm-hmm. quote, <laughs> urging her to bear her suffering patiently for the salvation of other souls. The presence of the Blessed Virgin was also apparent as the demons claimed during the, uh, the October 29th exorcism that she ordered them to leave by Friday. Fr- Friday? <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Jenny, you got to get those demons out of here. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> All I smell is poop and burns. <laughs> I got to pay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, by uh, they're supposed to be out by Friday, October 31st. Halloween. Halloween. Oh, oh yeah. Hallows. Yes, all oh, Hallows. Yeah. <laughs> so, this confirmed in Annalise's diary entry on the 29th. All right. So, this is confirmed. So, they conf- it's confirmed in that, as well as what she's saying, that they're supposed to get the fuck out by October 31st. Gotcha. Accordingly, everyone expected that the demons would be driven out on the 29th. October 31st. Ah, gotcha. Ketchup mustard. Ah, okay. So that morning, Dr. Keller wrote another Tegretol prescription. Of course. Let's give her some more mo- yeah. meds here. Mm-hmm. Father Renz then conducted an exceptionally long exorcism, uh, preserving four and a half hours of it on audio tape, which is partly what you guys listened to earlier. And some notable points in these were, and uh, again, I just played snippets. Yeah. There's a lot. And if you guys want to dive into it, that's more, you're more than welcome to. So, um... Early in the session, Annalise shrieks in her own voice, saying, We are not leaving. Oh. Later, she uses a low, growling, demonic voice to taunt the priest and resist him. The demons, which now include, you know, we talked Cain, Judas, Lucifer, Nero, and Fleischman, they try to stall for time, saying they have the ladies' permission to stay and that they will not leave until 10 o'clock, one after the other. I think the lady is the Virgin Mary. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I think in this. Yeah. And it never really says in this, but that's who I think. Then there's a message from the Virgin Mary. Quote, she is ha- uh, happy about all of you because you kept on praying. You are to continue as much as you can. Whenever the one there began to pray, they were forced to stop because of an ex- especially horrific, nausea-inducing bout of screaming. Oh. Lots of screaming. At 10 o'clock, each demon departed, though with you know a shit ton of verbal resistance and screaming and shit, mm. saying, quote, Hail Mary, full of grace, as commanded by the priest upon exiting. The human, you know, the voices or whatever, they admit their crimes in life, and Lucifer is the last one to leave. With all the demons gone by 1040, 1040 p.m., everyone sings the uh, Te Duum in German to celebrate. I'm assuming it's a prayer thing or whatever, right? So the the success of the exorcism is short-lived, however. Oh, no. Yeah. As the priest and family start to sing the, the hymns and stuff, a demonic growl and scream interrupts them all, saying, quote, I have not gone out yet. This demon will not give his name, saying he had not revealed his presence before. Ooh. So he's just hiding in the cut, mm-hmm. watching it all. He's like that dude in the bar. He's the quiet one. Uh, those are the ones who got to worry about. Yeah, you got to watch that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he's going to come up and shank your ass and yeah. take your wife. You know what I mean? Damn. Like, yeah, he's that kind of guy. That's crazy. So Father Renz continues trying to cast him out for three more hours, but the fucker refused to go. Despite the persistence of this less talkative demon... Annalise was able to return to school a week later. Oh. Cram for an examination and pass with a good grade. Oh, that's good. I know. That's awesome. Most of the time, however, she seemed apathetic, according to her classmates, though she was, um, you know, she was attentive and she was pleasant to be around. You know what I mean? She just seemed very kind of like, me, whatever. Life sucks. I have a demon in me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Annalise continued to receive communications from the Savior, 
strongly encouraging her to be patient, to pray for herself and others, to keep a humble silence, to trust in his grace with steadfastness, to struggle against temptation, and to not judge others. Quote, I will give you my grace. You will be true unto death. Oh. Yeah, I don't like any of that. Yeah, no, 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 On a November 9th exorcism session, the demon identifies himself as Judas. Okay, so even though Judas was supposedly gone, and what? Well, so this is anyway, Judas Priest now, right? This is Judas Priest. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes, saying that he and four others returned shortly after being expelled with the lady's permission. For the rest of the year, Annalise continued leading a double life and renewed her Tegretol prescriptions. She rarely demonstrated demonic behavior outside of exorcism sessions at her family's home. So, the, okay, that part bothers me really bad. Yeah. So she's not showing any signs of being possessed until they go and do these exorcism sessions, and then it starts coming out. Yeah, no. It's like maybe stop get just stop doing it. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, she continued her studies at Wurzburg with most of her school companions, utterly unaware of her state of possession. Mm, okay. On one occasion in January, however, Annalise's face contorted. And she struck her boyfriend, Peter. Oh. Ooh. Sorry, Peter. Peter. He was checking out somebody for sure. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. She returned to normal after he threw holy water on her at, at her request. Okay. So at least she wasn't peeing on well, him. Well, at least yeah. she asked for it in return. Yeah. Yeah, I, she, I thought he was just going to throw it at her just because he got smacked. would be funny. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> at least she didn't pull an R. Kelly on him. You know what I mean? Like, it could have uh, been much worse. Uh, yeah. Let me just pee right here. Oh. I want to piss on you. <laughs> chip, chip, chip. So the exorcism sessions in January were shorter, which were around two hours. I keep smacking this damn thing. As the demon was more subdued and just bored participating. Literally, they were just getting bored yeah. at this time. I mean, we've been doing them every other day. Sitting I mean. there like, oh, God, here comes the priest again. Son of a bitch. Anyone got a cigarette? Go ahead. What do you get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power of Christ. Yeah, yeah. I get the Yeah, I get it. I get it. Are you done? <laughs> Are you done yet? How about now? <laughs> you make a great demon. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. That's that's that would that be Judas. Ah, that's Judas. Yeah, yeah. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. In a tape recorded session on February 1st, Annalise told Father Renz that she had recently begun to experience compulsions, so she was no longer permitted to eat or to cover herself from the cold. So compulsions, in other words, like they were telling her what to do. Okay. And she couldn't stop it. Oh, no. Okay. So they were involuntary and they're saying you can't eat. And you, you need know, to freeze. You, you got to freeze. Again, you have to suffer. Oh. She felt that her prayers were unheard and that her suffering for the sake of others was far more difficult than she expected. Well, no shit. Yeah. She also felt the need to bang her head against the wall, strip, and go to bed. Well, that's a quick way to pass out. I guess. Yeah. Sometimes the voices were verbal, like a sweet voice telling her that she must always wear the same pair of shoes. I, I don't know. It's fucking weird, right? <laughs> that's so weird. That one's just, like, I don't know, just random. I mean, like, same underwear it would make sense, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, Jesus. Here, here comes the... Oh, son of a bitch. It's the sweet one. Honey, I just need you to wear the same shoes the whole time, okay? All right, now, now bang your head against the wall and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> On March 3rd, Annalise had an episode of stiffness when trying to visit home, so she stayed in Wurzburg. She was unresponsive to yet another exorcism. However, she soon recovered, started eating more food, resumed her studies, and was examined by the school's general practitioner, Dr. Wolfert, on the 9th. She told him about her epileptic history, but, uh, but not about her possession. He thought uh, she appeared exhausted, yet, you know, psychologically normal, and he renewed her Tegretol prescription. Dude, what is with this I know, they're loading her up with this shit, man. It's, it's ugh. Anyway, it's crazy. In early April, while visiting home, Annalise begged Thea Hain 
the Hain, that's the one who we talked a little bit about her earlier, to promise to tell her if anyone thought of sending her to a physician. She refused, did not want to go to a doctor. Right. She also warned that there would soon be a powerful burning stench, and immediately they both smelled an unbearable stench in the car that endured for 10 minutes after opening the windows. Yeah, that was a really bad fart. Yeah. You're going to smell something really bad. <laughs> hey, smell that. Hey, do you smell popcorn? Oh, my God. You know what's so funny? So my buddy used to do that all the time um, in order to get you this, like if he farted. Yeah. He'd be like, dude, you smell something burning? Oh, God. And you're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Maybe that's what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. He got it from her. Yeah, yeah. So on the night of April 13th, the Tuesday before Easter, Annalise felt the urge to stay kneeling on the school's chapel until the next morning. Oh, wow. The following day, however, she could discuss her thesis with her advisor, exhibiting sound critical thinking when talking about rel- relative, uh, irrelevant literature. So she did this one night and then wakes up the next day and like, oh, I'm going to go show her my report. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's... That is so weird. On the night of April 15th, which is Holy Thursday, Annalise felt a terror, okay, like something horrible coming over her and a great weight pushing down on her while kneeling in the church to pray. She believed she was experiencing, quote, the death agony of the savior and felt the pains of the stigmata at the end of the good friday service the following day annalise remained standing rigidly for hours unable to move the next day her sister roswitha came to nurse her as she lay in bed annalise would become rigid again whenever someone tried to get her out of bed and get dressed to go home back to uh, klingenberg right by the last week of april annalise had again started refusing to eat some friends suggested calling a doctor but she wouldn't have anything to do with it None of them were aware of the possession. Oh. Remember, her friends were like, oh, she's just, no. she needs, she's not eating. Yeah. Or the exorcisms, except for Anna Lippert, who called Father Renz and Father Alt-Delete on April 30th, after Annalise had started screaming, you know, all crazy willy-nilly. Yeah. On the morning of May 1st, she was um, her usual self again, though, hmm. casually chatting with her sister and her boyfriend, Peter, over breakfast. When Father Alt arrived that day, Annalise asked him if she could work on her thesis at the parish house in Ettenben, so um, he would be on, you know, on hand, because right. that's where he's at, to perform an exorcism if she needed it. Gotcha. Okay, so hey, I'm going to do my, you know, my shit here. Do you mind? On the way to Ettenben, she told Peter that she had told Father Alt that her suffering would be over in July. Hmm. So the demons were supposed to leave in October. Right. But they didn't. So now we're stuck till July. This is the end of April, and now she's saying that her suffering is going to end in July. Interesting. Okay. That afternoon, Annalise urged Peter to let her see the renovated church. Once inside, her face stiffened and she became emotionless. When Peter tried to move her, she felt too heavy. Just like on April 15th, a short prayer was enough to snap her out of it, but she returned to her state, you know, the, the, where she was at mm-hmm. um, when she was brought to, to, to back to bed. When they were putting her back to bed, she just kind of returned to that. Gotcha. In the early days of May, she got even worse, refusing to eat, sleep, or even lie in her own bed. Razwitha and a local elderly woman were soon summoned to help care for Annalise while the parish housekeeper prepared meals. Razwitha injured her foot a week later, so the Michels brought Annalise home to Klingenberg on May 10th. And there are some really, really sad pictures of her in starting at the end where she's like completely malnourished and like it's they're they're rough to look yeah. at. And we'll we'll post them up there unless you guys just want to Google it for yourself and have more nightmares. <laughs> so in Klingenberg, Annalise's condition uh, condition continued to worsen. Okay. She raged, screamed, struggled violently, requiring at least two men to hold her down, and she was not a big girl. Wow. Struck and bit herself as well. Father Renz repeatedly uh, visited to recite the exorcism rite, but no demons responded this time. Hmm. During some sessions, she would exhibit compulsive behavior, such as constantly kneeling and rising hundreds of times. 
Finally, on May 20th, she could stay uh, coherent for right around five hours, um, dictating a four-page outline of her thesis. Okay. Which means her she's, she's a smart girl. Right. Other than those moments, she was incapable of ordinary conversation. The only physician to, uh, to see Annalise in this, uh, this weakened state was Dr. Richard Roth, a friend of Father Alt, who visited on May 30th. Dr. Roth would later testify that he showed up out of scientific curiosity, not as a doctor. Gotcha. And he's hearing about all this. He's like, I, I got to go check this shit out. Right. And his buddy, freaking Alt Delete, is probably like, dude. <laughs> go see some shit. Dude, you want to see some shit? <laughs> so on June 2nd, Father Renz reported to the bishop that Annalise's left cheek was severely swollen and had bruises around her eyes from her self-inflicted blows. Oh, wow. Dr. Roth denied seeing any of these injuries. However, his testimony was inconsistent and implausible on several points, and he was likely trying to exonerate himself from a charge of criminal negligence. Ah. Yeah, and we're starting to get to that part. Mm. According to other witnesses in the house, the Michels, Peter, and the priest, Dr. Roth did see Annalise from the front, remarking on her stigmata wounds, and afterward promised to um, Father Alt that he would come in case of medical emergency. In other words, he saw her, like, listen, if y'all need me, hit, be, hit yeah. me up. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Right. He suggested treatments for her bruises, but considered her general condition untreatable by a physician, allegedly saying, quote, there are no injections against the devil. That's pretty, That's pretty deep right there, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, Dr. Roth was, he, he was a very, like, uh, um, respected physician. Yeah. Published in all kinds of medical journals, and uh, he didn't have any prior attachment or belief in exorcism. Okay. okay. So he's the one who's like, he's, so he's starting to like, what the hell? And after this, <laughs> it's kind of amazing, it totally made him start going to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I would too, if, if that stuff was going on. Yeah. So on June 8th, the last time a Father Alt saw Annalise, she had a sunken face from malnourishment. However, she did drink some fruit juice and milk, according to her parents, and on occasion drank nearly two liters. Wow. Which is a lot. When they tried to force feed her, she would spit out the food or firmly press her lips together like you're not getting, you know, like a little kid yeah. doesn't want their beans. Here comes your point. Yeah. In addition, she chipped her teeth from biting the wall. Oh. Repeatedly bit herself and struck at others. She's biting the wall now. Meanwhile, the exorcisms were consistently unsuccessful in getting demons to speak. Instead of intelligible words, Annalise repeatedly made mechanically unnatural-sounding voices, which were taped again on June 7th. Father Renz later believed to be a penance possession. Uh, he believed all this to be a penance, yeah, penance possession, mm. where the possessed endures suffering in reparation of someone else's sins. Yet he admitted he could not understand the meaning of the penance. Like, what, what, is, what is her penance? Right. Why is she being put through all this? Right. By June 18th, Annalise's injuries had healed, except for an open sore on her knee and nosebleeds from rubbing. Nevertheless, she still compulsively knelt and rose dozens of times until exhausted. She screamed and raged in bed, even as her mother attempted impromptu exorcism prayers. So mom's like trying to do some of these too. Right. She still had uh, a, a, a lot of cognitive periods where, when she could you know, converse normally with people too. You know, so she'd have these things and all of a sudden she'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden it's like it, a light switch. It's weird. She told them she expected all would be over by July and repeatedly told them not to call a doctor. On the last such occasion, on June 30th, she told Roswitha that a physician could not help her and feared being sent to the state mental institution at Lore, where she did not belong. Right. So she didn't want to go. So on June 27th, Annalise had a fever, but it subsided after uh, cold compresses were applied. She refused to have a doctor come by, although her father did call Dr. Roth to write another note extending her leave from school. Gotcha. Right now, she's, you know, all this is going on, and 
I mean, I'd, I'd be acting a totally different way than old, old Yosef here, but whatever. Before the exorcism on June 30th, her temperature was measured at right around 102 degrees Fahrenheit. It's getting pretty high. Yeah. Or 38.9 degrees Celsius for all you smart people out there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah. What is it, 104 and, like, your brain can actually start getting, you can get brain damage and yeah, stuff from like it? like over yeah. 104, yeah. Yeah. So, during one exorcism rite, she insisted on repeatedly kneeling, though her family cushioned her movements, placing a pillow on the floor. Her last words to Father Renz were, quote, please, absolution, requesting the absolution part of the rite, which he then gave. With the rite completed, Peter and Father Renz left while her parents remained with Annalise. Anna Michelle, her mom, went to bed a short while afterward. Annalise then started screaming and throwing herself around. Her father was still in the room, and as it was midnight, he told her that he commanded the demons to leave in the father's name since it was now July, and they had to leave so she could recover. After that, she turned quietly on her right side and went to sleep. Hmm. Following morning at 7 o'clock, Mr. Michelle Yosef looked into Annalise's room and saw her apparently sleeping, so he headed out to work. An hour later, his wife called and told him that Annalise had died. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty rough. That's fucked up. Yeah. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) So that previous information was actually taken from an exceptional article albeit a little bit biased at times, from arcaneknowledge.org. I also did a bunch of little ad stuff in there from different places, too. So the autopsy report here declared the cause of death, quote, advanced emaciation due to severe malnutrition and dehydration. When asked why medical intervention had not been, you know, asked for, why didn't you call the, uh, the doctors? Father Alt stated that he never considered the woman dangerously ill, and then if he had, he would have immediately called for medical assistance. How the fuck is she not? No, right. Yeah. She's like, just looks that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. Hmm. Like a bitch, Father Rentz said, quote, the exorcism ritual expressly states that the clergymen should not burden themselves with medical matters. Mm. Right. In this, Father Rentz was correct, however, as the rite of exorcism they were using at the time, the 1614, yes, 1614, the uh, uh, it's the de exorcisandis obsessis e dominio whatever from the ritual romanum said nothing about the priest's responsibilities for the physical well-being of the possessed. Okay, this is from 1614. So in yeah, other that words, makes sense. If he dies, he dies. You know, <laughs> if he dies. Instead, it suggested quote the exorcist should guard against giving or recommending any medicine to the patient, but should leave this care to physicians. Okay, so if if a physician was to be called, they should allow them to do that, and but they shouldn't be giving any kind of like medical advice or medicine stuff like that. Or that turpentine tall, yeah, whatever shit. Yeah. Well, that was from a doctor. That was doctor. Oh, that was from the doctor. Oh, okay. So basically, they just it was told that they were not to do that. So I think they followed it a little bit too by the book there. In the case of Annalise Michelle, there were no physicians. One would expect that good judgment, if you know, not some fucking pity. Yeah. Would have maybe motivated the priest to actually get a hold of a doctor. Father Rentz testified that he had written to the bishop before Annalise's death that her condition was deteriorating but had received no response. Probably out fucking golfing again. Yeah. Bishop Stengel explained that neither he nor Father Rodwick had any direct contact with Annalise or her parents during the nine months of exorcisms. Nine months. Jeez, dude. Of exorcisms and were unaware that she was not receiving medical treatment. Hmm. Author and cultural anthropologist Felicitas Goodman. What a great name. Felicitas. Felicitas. Hola. Well, this person argued, I think it's a dude, 
to be honest. Uh, there is sufficient evidence to support the contention that Annalise was indeed not sick, that she was not an epileptic, that what looked to the uninformed, uh, uninformed like symptoms of a disease were actually manifestations of a religious experience. Of course. Right. Yeah. These mystical or religious experiences are known as altered states of consciousness, or ASC. Mm. Periods of wakefulness that are pretty different from normal. Some have disagreed with Goodman's claim. Yeah, like me. I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to raise my hand real quick. Yeah. Yep. 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 Saying that uh, there was sufficient evidence that Annalise did not have temporal lobe epilepsy, though. Okay. But they're just saying that there, there was evidence there, but not for that particular thing. Okay. Goodman's argument seems predicated on the fact that multiple EEGs, in addition to the autopsy report after her death, failed to indicate anything abnormal with Annalise's temporal lobe. She had no anatomical defects, tumors, or scarring. However, this is not unusual. In roughly one in four cases of temporal lobe epilepsy, the cause remains unknown. Hmm. Which is crazy. That is weird. Many factors may cause temporal lobe epilepsy, including infections such as encephalitis or meningitis, malformations of the blood vessels in the brain, or genetic mutations. Hmm. She could have had a genetic mutation that they didn't know about. Right. Additionally, there is reason to believe that Annalise may not have taken her medication as prescribed. This is something Goodman contradicts herself on. Okay, so Goodman is a girl. (laughs) Stating that a girl, a woman. (laughs) Sorry. Quote, Annalise continued taking the drugs conscientiously. And she goes on to say, Roswitha remembers that Annalise often took less than three tablets per day of Tegretol when her prescription was beginning to run out, and they made up for it as soon as it was renewed by taking more than the prescribed dosage. That's not good. Nope, not at all. If this were true, the question of why, despite the anti-convulsants and the mood stabilizers, Annalise's behavior and mental state continued to decline, and she continued to have seizures, becomes less mysterious, because she's not taking it the right way. Right. The following is a description of the trial that followed from a 1978 Washington Post article. Yes, there was a trial. Good. When she died, Annalise weighed 68 pounds. Yeah, she's not malnourished at all. No, not at all. That's, that's normal. 20-year-old, 22-year-old, 23-year-old woman. Yeah, wings. yeah that makes sense. Perfectly normal. Yeah. She looks fine. That's the height of physical yeah, fitness. She looks fine. Yeah. The autopsy report said that her death was caused by the malnutrition and dehydration that resulted from almost a year of semi-starvation during the rites. The state prosecutor, after an investigation, said the woman's death could have been prevented even one week before she died. Yeah. Instead, he charged all four defendants with negligent homicide for failing to call a medical doctor. A series of doctors who have testified at the trial have all told the court that the woman died of a combination of epilepsy, mental disorders, and an extremely religious environment, which, in the words of Professor Hans Sattis of Würzburg University, added up to, quote, a spiritual sickness and heavy psychic disturbance. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I say yes. That, that all kind of makes sense to me. Both priests have told the court they remain convinced that the woman was possessed and that her death finally freed her. The parents also remain confident that she was possessed, but not that she was released. The parents ordered their daughter's body exhumed from her grave after they said a nun told them she had a vision that their daughter's body, daughter's body, daughter, their daughter's body, Annalise's body was still intact. Proof, proof that there was a possession. Hmm. The exhumation, which authorities said showed normal body decay, was attended by hundreds of curious spectators, and the trial also drew intense interest. Yeah, so Mm. it's the end. Throughout the trial, Annalise's father, 60-year-old Josef Michel, sat impassively, his stocky frame 
you know, just, just kind of just hanging out, you know. Mm-hmm. His wife, Anna, 57, you know, she took notes steadily, pausing only to moan, oh, dear God, when some doctor alleged that her daughter was possessed of a mental disorder rather than the devil. Interesting. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. The priests were defended by church-paid lawyers. The parents were defended by one of Germany's top lawyers, Eric Schmidt-Leichner, who has also defended numerous people in uh, Nazi war crime trials. Oh. Oof. Yeah. That's a... <laughs> mm. Uh, Schmidt Leichner, this lawyer here, has claimed that exorcism is legal and that the German Constitution protects citizens in free exercise of their religious beliefs. Okay. Okay. The accused were convicted of negligent homicide and were given suspended prison sentences in April of 1978 and were ordered to share the cost of the proceedings. The sentences have been described as stiffer than requested by the prosecutor, who had asked that the priest only be fined and that the parents be found guilty but not punished. The church approving such an old-fashioned exorcism rite drew public and media attention, and according to John M. Duffy, the case was a misidentification of mental illness. You don't fucking say. Okay. One more fun little fact here. On June 6, 2013, a fire broke out in the house where Annalise Michel lived, and although the local police said it was a case of arson, some locals attribute it to the actual exorcism. I gotta figure out a way to turn that thing down. Every time I, we do the movies um, intro, it's I, I'm afraid it's blowing everyone's eardrums out. Yeah, and it's like do do. Let's all go to the kitchen. Let's all go to the kitchen and punch our. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. Come on. So today we're going back to the movies. Ah, I miss the movies. So what do you think the list is? Um, the list is going to be a case. Of medical negligence, you think movies based on medical negligence? Yeah, Ooh, that would uh, that would be good. But no, it's best demonic possession movies. Oh, okay, a little bit more on the nose, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Right? All right. So uh, at number ten, number ten, and obviously you've not seen hardly any of these. I guarantee it. But we'll go through it anyway. I would say that about a dollar that I've seen at least one, but I've been wrong multiple times. So let's go with it. All right. Well, number ten is Hereditary. Oh, I've seen that one. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, have you? Yes. Hereditary is weird. I don't remember a lot of the movie. I just remember like... The well, there's one main part in it that you should probably remember if you've seen the movie. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty messed up part that everybody talks about. With a freaking chick's like hanging from the ceiling with a chair or whatever? No. I'm thinking of a different movie, aren't I? Yep. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was my demon. Nice. Uh, no. Uh, there's a part where a uh, little girl has her head hanging out the window and meets, uh, well, she meets a telephone pole. I have not seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yes. So when the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and ch- grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister past of their grandmother. That's on Netflix. I'm about to watch that now. You should. It's it's weird. It's directed by um, Ari Aster, who's done like a bunch of like, uh, I don't want to say they're uh, artsy, but they're kind of artsy. Okay. It's weird. I, I don't. I don't really. I. I can't say I liked it, but I've only seen it once, and I gotta kind of watch it again. But yeah, there's there's a couple of parts in that you're like, especially that part. Yeah, I probably ruined it for everybody. But if you haven't seen it, you should fucking watch it anyway. It's been out since like 2018. Yeah, you can't get on. You can't get on my ass, right? No. All right. Number nine, the possession. Ooh, it's got Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm, I know exactly who that is. You don't, do you? No. <laughs> it's Keegan. 
Keegan from Walking Dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, with Kira Sedgwick and Natasha Kallis of 2012. Okay. When their youngest daughter, Emma, becomes strangely obsessed with an antique wooden box bought from a yard sale, parents Clyde and Stephanie see... Oh, I have to press on the button. <laughs> see little cause for alarm. However, M becomes increasingly unstable, leading the couple to fear the presence of a malevolent force. To their horror, Clyde and Stephanie learn that the box contains a Dybbuk, a dislocated spirit that inhabits and ultimately devours a human host. Yeah, I've actually seen this movie. I haven't seen that one. I have. Uh, there's a scene where they're a like Dybbuk all... Box. In uh, in the middle of like they're in the middle of a, a parking lot, I think is what it is. And there's a bunch of like street lamps, and they open the box, and they're just like all swarmed with like moths and shit. Like it gets really, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's like the only part I remember the whole movie. But yes. Oh, 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 we're on Ranker. Hold on, I love Ranker. Ooh, Ranker. Um, let's see. The Ranker. So Hereditary is uh, on number fifty-four. These are cause, so it's on other lists. Okay. Number 54 of 140 of the best movies you never want to watch again. <laughs> that makes sense. Holy shit. And the best A24 movies? Um, A24, yes. That is... Uh, nope. Nope. Don't have any for it. The Possession is not on any of those. But uh. this next one sure is. Ooh, what is it? This is number eight. Evil Dead. The original? The original, yeah. Okay, Bruce okay. Campbell, yeah. Nice. You haven't seen this, have you? I haven't seen the originals. I've only seen the, the, the newest one. And I, I absolutely I have love failed it. as a father. It's nothing like I the know remake. it's not. It's like kind of corny, cheesy, or whatever. I'm not even going to read what this is because everybody out there knows this because you guys are awesome. So yeah, I'm not better than me. Read. Yeah. You, you need to, seriously, you, okay, we're going to have, and we talked about this on... The last time, yeah. When you were on here with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the movies. We're going to start doing movie nights. Movie nights, yeah. you got to start doing that. Oh, yeah, I will. You have to. I'm going to download a uh, <clears throat> uh, app that allows me to watch whatever I want. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, or I'll give you, like, login codes or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you need. But, yeah, you should be doing that and just live stream it the whole time. The whole time? Yeah. Okay. You should. You should totally do that, and then you can just chat with people as you're watching this movie. That'd be pretty cool. It'd be cool if you could watch it with you. Like, yeah, that'd be set it up cool. in there. A lot, you could do that a lot on, like, Shit, we can do that on Discord. You could do it on... Di- yeah, there yeah, you go. They're on the Discord, and then we can watch a movie together. There you go. Ooh. Set that up. Let's all go to the movies. Yeah, so you guys get on the Discord. Just get on there and look for Midnight Train or Accidental Dads. You can do that. Anyway, so Evil Dead is 801 of 1,436 of the most rewatchable movies. Number 11 of 105 of the goriest movies ever made. Really? Which I don't really... I mean, it, whatever. I don't know. Number 13 of 126 of the greatest directorial debuts of all time. And yes, that's Sam Raimi, and it is that, amazing. Yeah, that makes sense. It is amazing. I wasn't a big fan of the... Uh, the second one? The second one, yeah. Or the the remake. Yeah. Number seven, it's The Shinning. The Shinning? Yes. That's when they all have a bunch of shins and they just yes. shin. Yes, they just go around cracking people in their, I've in seen their the shins. Sh- I've seen The Shining. The Shining. You have seen this one? Yes, the, yeah, that's like, uh, the original one. That's with, uh, what's his name? Uh, where oh. he, like, uh, oh, hold on, hold on. I got this, I got this. Well, he likes to talk like this. Yeah, uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson? Where does he get those wonderful toys? <laughs> Sorry, it's a horrible Jack Nicholson. Yes, it's Jack Nicholson. Nice. 1980, Stanley Kubrick and his crazy ass. You guys know about The Shining. Come on. Yeah, I watched that They movie. go to the hotel because he's got writer's block, and then it, the hotel possesses him, and he tries to kill everybody. And, yeah, it's just... It's, Come play with it's us. It's fun. Yeah, that was... Red rum. Red rum. Which is murder spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Revelations, I tell you. Yes, it is. Number six is uh, Sinister. I've seen that one too. Uh, have you? Yeah. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. So there's Sinister One and Two. That's with the uh, the guy who watches all the the movies or whatever and sees the demon that's possessing the movies and then his kid kills his kids kill him. 
it's fucking fucked okay, up. Well, I don't ending. have to tell anybody about that. Yeah, there it's you a go. A phenomenal movie. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number five, Insidious. I, I've seen yeah, Sinister. They're okay. Yeah. And same with Insidious. I feel like these are all like meh. You know? Insidious is like, dude, I think I think Insidious is the one that has like that weird ass scene where it's like it's you're Patrick Wilson who also was in like all of the uh, the, 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 the the that's the, the the couple, isn't it? Where it's the guy yeah. and the girl who has like that uh, that extra sensory powers and stuff like yeah, that. They yeah. What? Why am I drawing a blank I on can't. that? Calm down out there. <laughs> Calm down, Katie and everyone else that's yelling right now. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, what were they called? The, 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 the ah shite. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. And I'll, watch, it's gonna happen yeah, there's just like, randomly. There's like eight or nine movies that are all linked within the Insidious universe. Yeah. So this is uh, Patrick Wilson, 2010, directed by James Wan. Parents, uh, hold on. <laughs> Parents Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne take drastic measures when it seems their new home is haunted by their comatose son, and he's possessed by a malevolent entity. Oh. Hmm. Malevolent. Hey, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's number four. Nice, nice. Yeah. Nice. Makes sense. So this is from 2004. Laura Tenney, isn't it? Laura, you know who Laura Tenney is? It, I believe it's Tinney. I said Tinney. No, it's Laura Linney. I don't know why I said Tinney. <laughs> Damn it. It's Laura Linney. Why did I say Tenny? Anyway, uh, so the Reverend Moore is prosecuted for the wrongful death of a girl thought to be demonically possessed because he administered the church-sanctioned exorcism that ultimately killed her. Mm. Prosecuting attorney Ethan Thomas contends that the young woman, Emily, uh, suffered from schizophrenia and should have been medically diagnosed. Meanwhile, defense lawyer Aaron Bruner argues that the Emily's condition cannot be explained by science alone. And that's where they, uh, they got the idea for that. that was from, unfortunately, from what happened to uh, Annalise. Uh, number three, The Conjuring 2. I've seen it. I just can't get into those, man. Yeah. I just can't. They're like trying too hard to yeah. scare you. I want real horror. I want yeah. Freddy Krueger to tell me he believes in me. You said horror, me. right? Yeah. Horror. Okay, horror. Horror. Not like real horrors. No. You don't want real horrors? I'm married. I can't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> number two, obviously, The Conjuring, which is uh, number 42 of 253 of the best psychological thrillers of all time. I'm going to say no. Yeah, no. I just wasn't a fan of these. I really wasn't. Yeah. And um, even Charlie tried getting me into them, and I'm just like... <sighs> Yeah, like I said, they just, they just try too hard. Yeah. yeah, and number one fifty eight to three seventeen of the best movies based on true stories. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Yeah, Farmiga. Like I said, they're like all... oh, it's the Warrens. Yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's what Ed their Lorraine, name is. Yeah. See, we got it. Hey. <laughs> oh. And number one on our list. What do you think it is? Oh, think no. possession movies. Uh, I'm going to say it's got something to do with the little girl named Reagan, which is ironic, right? Yeah. But yes, you are correct. Hey, what's it called? Uh, the 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 Omen, right? <laughs> Sorry, no, that's D- uh, D- uh, Damien. This is uh, The Exorcist. Ah, damn it. Yes, and this movie literally, and we've talked about this movie before several times on on the show. This is. Uh, that movie actually had people believing in exorcism, exorcism, ex- Exor- ex- <laughs> exorcisms, and like people were like throwing up in the theater, and like all, it really kind of like Alien. Do you know what? about that? What? So like when they first premiered Alien, like when the freaking alien popped out of uh, a, like somebody or somebody's chest or whatever. It's a chestburster. Yes, yeah. the chestburster. Yes, when that popped out, uh, people were like actually throwing up because of like how realistic it looked in the theaters at the time. That's Craig Gray. I don't, I don't know if I heard about that. Maybe yeah. I did. I don't know. Drop I drink a bomb. lot. Anyway, this one is on lists here. Uh, number one of 22 of horror movies you can't even finish watching. I, I have multiple times. Number 12 of 552 of the best 70s movies. 
Okay. Okay. What, what's number one? Man? Yeah, oh. I'm kind of curious. Hey, give me a second here. Hold on. Best 70s movies. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's gonna be Rocky. No. I guarantee. I guarantee. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Rocky yeah. or The Godfather. I haven't looked yet. What do you think? You don't know, even know anything about movies. Where are you even trying to guess right now? I got this. I got this. I got All right, this. What do you think? Uh, it's going to be... Oh, it's... Dude. It is the most obvious of ever, and I, I didn't name it. Well, now I'm not going to be able to guess it, so... No, it's obvious, and like you should totally get this. It, it, the movie's obvious? The, the, the movie is not... <laughs> o- the name of the movie is not obvious, but the movie itself is obvious. Um, 70s movies. Damn. What is... Uh, 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 is it like Grease or something? Star Wars. Fuck, I forgot that exactly, came out in the 70s. Right? Damn I it. saw that, and I'm like, hey, how did I not get that? However, number two is The Godfather. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. At least I feel vindicated for that. Mm-hmm. can't believe I forgot Star Wars. <laughs> I thought it was in the 80s. I didn't realize it was 70. So, And then and the last one here for Exorcist. It is on one more list. If my damn thing. the uh, Number two of 16 of the most terrifying figures in horror with the lowest kill counts. Ooh, what's number one on that? That's a good, good, good question. Ranker has too many ads. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to write them a strongly worded letter. <laughs> All right. Uh, the most terrifying figures in horror with the lowest kill counts. Yeah. Ooh, hold on. We'll just do this real quick because fuck it. It's my show. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Anyway, not really. Um, let's see. It's just loading up slowly. Okay. Lowest kill counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's see. Number. The last one on this is the Babadook. Okay. It says the Babadook never kills. Yeah, but that's not to say he ha- he doesn't try. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's number that that one. That movie was weird. Frankenstein's monster. I thought okay. 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 Um. Let's see. Lord of Darkness. Uh, oh, mm. oh! It's uh the uh da 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 from uh from Legend, right? Yeah, from Legend. Um, uh, it was actually played by Tim Curry. Oh, oh yeah! It's uh, yeah. Okay. it was uh, what was his name? Tom Cruise, Tom, real young Tom yeah. Cruise. Great movie. Yeah. Even though he's the son of Satan, the Lord of Darkness never completes a kill in the film Legend. However, he does go to great lengths to bring about the apocalypse. Mm. They did such a great job on his makeup for that. God, yeah. oh, Steve Curry. Um, Steve. Sam from uh, Trick or Treat, the movie Trick or Treat. I don't think I've seen that one. Only had only killed one pe- person, but apparently is like a little. I've never seen that. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that either. But is you haven't seen anything. Yeah, I saw half the list. Yeah, okay. Um, Xenom- the, the, the Xenomorph from Alien. He's only killed five people, it says. Oh, yeah, there wasn't that many people from Alien. Ship. Yeah, yeah okay. but it was terrifying as shit. Yeah. Um, the Mummy, the Boris Karloff one. Uh, only one, bo- uh, what's up? one body count. Only one uh, person killed. Wait, Boris... Wait, what? From 1932. Oh, like The Mummy. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Not The Mummy. A.K.A. Imhotep. Um, Reagan, ah. Reagan killed one technically. I mean, on the I'm Exorcist. Su- not surprised she didn't kill more, but yeah, anyway, we just we just talked. Oh, about we were that. talking about the movie. Yeah, oh, my bad. Okay, yeah, yeah, not your sister. Anyway, and then number one on this list, if I can. <laughs> my God! <laughs> oh, never mind. It died. Uh, whatever. Oh. I don't know what's going on with this damn thing. It's stupid. So anyway, it doesn't even tell. Oh, come on, I want to know what number I one. I want to know what number one is too. Got us <laughs> all sitting here quivering with anticipation. Oh, you son of a bitch! You son of a bitch! Anyway, it doesn't matter. So anyway, that was the exorcisms of Annalise Michel. The nine months of and, exorcisms. And holy macadamia nuts! Was that crazy? I don't think macadamia nuts are a holy nut, but you're close. I'm going to kick you in your holy nuts. <laughs> so what do you think? 
Um, we got to discuss here. Dude, so I don't, like, at the very beginning, it was starting to kind of get me on the, like, I, okay, I kind of see her kind of being possessed, you know, like the weird-ass stench that's, you know, just emitting from her mm -hmm. and the uh, random bouts of violets that she would smell and stuff like that. And then the horrific screaming that she would be able to, you know, procure. And then it just all went downhill every time that they gave her medicine and just made things worse. But it only made things worse when she was getting the exorcisms. I think she had mental illness like a motherfucker. 100%. And then, you know, having a devout... Like the guy said, like, you have a mixture of mental illness and then you've got a devoutly, like, religious family. Yeah. I think that together, that's what killed that poor girl. Yeah. You know, I mean, truthfully, I, I do. Whether it was schizophrenia or if she had, like, you know, the temporal lobe stuff going on or whatever or whatever it was. All of it, yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was, that's what killed her. Yeah. And that's not me coming from a non-religious standpoint, okay? That's not me at all. I'm, I'm trying to say from medically, yeah, just there the, was something the going facts, on there. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we want to know what you guys think. We want to know if you're going to have nightmares after that. Hopefully we lightened it up for you a little bit after that whole little... Yeah. Thing going on. Yeah, so, not, yeah. not not to not to you know make the mood any darker, but I think I did shit myself a little bit when you know the whole we turned the lights down and everything. That was yeah. We actually turned our lights down in here too, just yeah. so you guys know. Like we were we were listening to that. And we like, were in it. I couldn't see your face, but you could probably see mine. Yeah, I was staring at you because I don't want to look behind my shoulder and see something. <laughs> God, I should have texted someone to come down and like grab you. I was right waiting at that. for that. That would have been amazing. <laughs> So we want to know what you guys think. You know, hit us up on social media or whatever. We're back, baby. You know what I mean? And sorry that we took some time off, but, you know, it was well needed. It was a vacation. It was a good time. It was a great time. It was awesome. And uh, Ireland was great. If you want to hear about that, we will be doing a bonus episode just to kind of talk about what we did over there. Yeah. We went to, to the Kilmayam jail and all kinds of cool shit. All the creepy shit you guys did. It was fun. There wasn't a lot. There was a lot of drinking. That's creepy. Well, well, I felt creepy the next day, I tell you that much. <laughs> so do us a favor, stop on over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com, and at our website, you can buy some uh, super sweet. Super sweet. Well, that was like Sean Connery on you there. like that? Ooh, super sweet. <laughs> you should get on over there and get yourself some clothes. It's the hunt for the super sweet <laughs> so merchandise. Can, so I can take it off and get to know you. <laughs> So get on over there, get some shirts, get some stuff, get some cool stuff, get your, uh, you know, America's second favorite, you know what I mean? Probably. Um, you know, yeah, that's the new one we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to be the uh, the greatest podcast in the world, probably. probably. <laughs> yeah. So you can get all that stuff, and plus it supports the show, and you guys get to show, show everyone that you're cooler than they are because you're like, I'm wearing awesome gear and you're not. Exactly. And also, listen, while you're over there, get yourself some Dr. Squatch soap. Oh, that good, that good stuff? Because it is good. Dude, I got, I opened it. Remember the one we were talking about yeah. in here? The uh, the space ones or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good. It's so amazing. I'm jealous. Yeah. I, I kind of shower shower. wanted to have sex with myself. <laughs> That's how good it smelled. I'd fuck me. <laughs> I'd fuck me so hard. <laughs> but it's amazing. And Dr. Squatch is changing the way men approach hygiene by providing all natural, high quality, healthy products like bar soaps, hair care, colognes, beard oils, and so much more that make you feel like a man and smell Damn sexy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird follow-up. So all the soaps and products are made right here in the U.S. using the finest all-natural ingredients, not cheaply made or harmfully mass-produced. Get on over there and click on sponsors on our website and uh, use the code in there and get 20% off your first subscription. It's awesome. Or give it as a gift. By the way, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Aw, Had a great Father's Day. I posted something uh, on, on our social media about it. Had a blast seeing my dad, your grandfather. Oh, yeah, that was And fun. then seeing my grandfather, your great-grandfather. Yes. Yeah, 
It was awesome. So yes. it was a good time. So we hope you uh, fathers out there, you're good ones, not your deadbeat bastards. I don't care about you. You guys, yeah, yeah you guys can go fuck off. But the yeah. rest of you guys who are taking care of your business, I hope you had a good one. Yeah. So if you like what you've heard from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading on over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or go to patreon.com forward slash accidental dads. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool stuff over there. But the bonus is, is where it's at. Hell yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, there's tiers and stuff, so you can get like stickers, t-shirts, things like that. Yeah, but the best part of that is you get the best of two different shows. Yeah, and, and over there you're also getting bonuses for Icon. Icons and Outlaws. Hell yeah. Make sure you check out Icons and Outlaws wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends about it. It's basically us doing what we do here, but less swearing and more music. Lots of music. Lots of music. And that's lots what, of Logan being a dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of yeah. make sure to check out all our socials like twitter insta giggle the twat space insta all, all those places yeah 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 whatever <laughs> i've never heard of that one that one's yeah, good whatever they're freaking called out there there's so yeah. many of them um and myspace uh myspace yes yeah we yes. have that aol insta messenger <laughs> right yeah we should we should check those out <laughs> we should um tiktok because we're on there too like you know get on there and do that stuff you know because it's fun heck yeah right it's fun you like it right i loves it you do do you? I do. Do you love it? I'm on there every day creeping on everybody. You whoa. Yeah. All right. So listen, we can't thank you guys all en- enough for all the support and and for waiting patiently for us to come back cuz you knew we'd be back, right? And hopefully this was a good return episode and it's going to be, you know, we're just going to keep getting better from here. Hell yeah, you know what man. I mean? Cuz we're cuz we're back, baby. Hell yeah. We're back, you know. Like what a saying? rolling stone, we ain't gathered no I don't balls. plan on going to any more countries anytime soon. Oh, got to hope not. Well, not anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a long trip. I missed you. So listen, oh, I miss you too. <laughs> so, of course, a very special thank you to all you fearless executive producer motherfuckers. And if you want your name to be mentioned, like these beautiful people, sign up to become a producer or a pooper, right? To Amanda Denz, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Hank Sanchez, Stacey Laconan, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunselman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janet Sherrell, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Make sure you check out the Fun Box. Christina Skelton and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skelton Podcast. Not to be confused with the Sisters Skeleton Podcast coming next year. Maria Gibbs, Chainsaw. What the fuck? There it is. Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Katie Brabinick, and of course, my boy, Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I ran out of breath on that one. Anyway, spread the word, and if you want your name to be mentioned on the show, and for us to be forever grateful, forever grateful, forever... No, it doesn't work really with that. No, not really. Forever... Forever... In your heart. Forever hung? Oh. Forever hung. I don't know if that works for the ladies. I'm kind of interested on that one, but okay. What? Forever hung. Forever hung. Yes. Wait, with this with this episode, forever dung. <laughs> Listen, stay safe out there. All right, I hope you guys don't smell any burnt poo poo. And as always, go ahead, choo choo, motherfucker. I go home and get your fucking shine box.